Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have two, two cool guests. Two cool guests. Two cool guests sitting on our couch. Finally, again, people on the couch. <laughs> and these two came in together. So it's okay that it's a teeny tiny couch and they're up close and personal because that's all right for them. Um, hey, Lap everyone. Dance. <laughs> Don't say that. That might happen. Is that what I signed up for today? <laughs> I think so. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And uh, we have something very interesting that I have been working on for a long time. But it is, I guess, somewhat of a sensitive subject. And we had to find the right guest that would be open to talking about this. So what am I talking about? We wanted to speak to a person who has been through a transition, male to female, female to male, whichever, whichever person we could get to come in here. Um, to talk about the different aspects of health, physical, emotional, hormonal, mental, anything. I mean, as we were talking off mic, there's a lot of different things that come into play. And I'm uh, very interested to talk about some of the hormonal stuff because uh, from the mouth of our guest partner, um, personality changes happened with the different levels of hormones. So I'm going to introduce the guests. So first we have Sebastian, hi who's high, who is going to talk about his transition and his journey and everything that goes along with it. And I will tell you guys right now that I actually know nothing about him on purpose. I wanted this to be a very real conversation. So we met about, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. And I know nothing about him. Uh, our other guest here, however, I know, and you guys might know now, we have back uh, Kitten Monroe. Back again. <laughs> Hi. So Kitten and Sebastian, now, are you, you guys are married, yes? Yes, we are. Yes. Okay. So Kitten and Sebastian have been together based on the last podcast. I think you said three years? Three and a half. We're, we're, we're in the middle of something right now. Okay. Three, three years and... A month and a half. Thanks. Okay. You're very welcome to All right. So uh, they're going to... Who's good at remembering dates between you two? Nobody. Nobody, unfortunately. <laughs> Nobody, no. Uh, for some reason, that one stuck, though. I guess it was important. You're pretty good with dates. It actually impresses me because... Well, you forget a lot of things. Because I smoke too much drugs. Ooh, Same. Yeah. Same. You forget I, a lot of things, but you've never forgotten a birthday, an anniversary, a kid's birthday. You're, you're on Because I smoke too much drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. I relate, Mark. I relate. The, the important dates, I'll remember. It's the, when's that doctor's appointment? Oh, Couldn't yeah, tell you. for sure. No you would have no idea. Actually, fun story before we get into this. Our oldest daughter does swimming lessons every Monday at 4.30 and has been for going on a year. And yet on every Monday, I get a call. What time swimming again? Because he thinks he's going to pop in and see the lesson. Every Monday at 4.30 for the last year. But he can't keep that in his mind. No. No, that sounds eerily familiar. Mark. All right. That sounds eerily familiar. Right on. I'm not alone. You're not. You're really not. It's a constant frustration for this one over here. Okay. So before we jump right into everything, if you're cool with it, Sebastian, I know Kitten doesn't like talking about herself, but can you introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, and you know a little background about you? Sure. Uh, so my name is Sebastian Quinn. I'm 29 years old this past Saturday. Happy birthday to Happy me. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, I grew up in the GTA in Markham my whole life, uh, traveling back and forth between Northern Ontario and Markham, moved to Scarborough to be with this one a few years ago, have come, had to come out 
just too many times in my life because I came out as bi when I was 16 and then I came out as a lesbian when I was almost 18 and then I had to come out as a man a few years later and every time just got more dramatic and more dramatic and by the time I got to the man part my mom was like you know you can go back to being bi or a lesbian I'm totally fine with that <laughs> wow and I was like well I don't think that's gonna happen but uh now you have that Irish boy that you wanted me to marry I'm just right here, all ready for you. <laughs> that response is golden. I had to um, come up with something for her. I want to ask the most obvious question then. And it, I know it's probably been asked to you a thousand times or more. Did you always feel it? Did you always feel that you were not a uh, female? I'm putting this in quotes. That's probably one of the more common questions that I do get. Mm -hmm. Couldn't tell you how many times I've been asked. And the answer is no. Okay. The answer is no. It's a really common uh, experience for some trans people to just, they just know. They just always knew. They right. knew from the time they were in diapers or when they're really young, little. And while I did really want to be like my older brothers, I didn't understand why or anything deeper than just, well, let me wear their hand-me-downs and let me get a haircut in this terrible 90s bowl cut, mushroom cut that both of my brothers had for a time. I'm picturing it. You know, and I <laughs> desperately wanted it right. at the age of five or six and my mother wouldn't let me have it. I was her little girl. So, you know, for, so for that, it was really frustrating being a kid, but it didn't, it wasn't because, you know, I had the, the thought of, I want to be a boy. Right. That wasn't even a possibility for me. It just didn't exist as far as I was concerned. I I don't like the term tomboy, but to make it easy, were you what no. would be? No, no, I wasn't. My dad is um, a proper North Canadian guy, but he's also he can be very feminine. One of his favorite colors to wear is pink. He's the best baker I've ever known. He sews like, you know, anyone's grandmother. He's more feminine than he's I am more already. Right. You know, but he's also he could also build you a log house. So it was kind of that was easy growing up in the sense that I didn't have to really stick with one role. Right. But I loved pink. I loved purple flowers. I loved to dance. I did gymnastics. Um, I was really lucky in that my family was able to be able to send me to those kinds of things. And while I didn't want to be the doll that my mother wanted to dress me as, I did enjoy doing, you know, those quote unquote feminine things. Mm -hmm. I always have. I'm covered, you know, you can see now people have, you know, on the podcast can't see my tattoos, but most of them have to do with flowers or something fairly feminine. Yeah, um, and that's like a very pretty tattoos. Thank on you. That arm. <laughs> thank you. This one's brand new. I just got it the other day. Um, but most, if not all of my tattoos have been done post transition and you know, they're all flowers. They're all pretty feminine as far as tattoos go. But um, no, I wasn't, I wouldn't, wasn't what one would call a tomboy really. And this is actually a great example of how, even even though you didn't fit that tomboy or, mm -hmm. you know, what people think when they think of somebody who transitions, let's, you know, female to male, you would think, okay, maybe they were always kind of masculine or whatever. It's, it's not that you fit one gender role or another. It was just you were who you were. You liked what you liked. And eventually, which we're going to get to, you realized, I don't like being female. No. Okay. And it's interesting, if you look back at me through my teenage years, specifically, once I kind of was able to pick my own clothing and go shopping for myself, 
I was ultra feminine. I yeah. loved having cleavage. I had a great chest before I transitioned. <laughs> you know, I would get, yeah, I just got the finger off, off mic. And, you know, I would get that reaction a lot. You know, I loved wearing dresses. I loved wearing, you know, the, the tight little black dress and heels. And I wasn't so much on makeup, but that was more of an artistic thing in that I'm not good at it. You still had pieces of all of that in your closets when we started seeing each other, including makeup that you handed down to me. I did. I did. I still had a full makeup kit. I had dresses in my closet and I held on to them partly because I'd kind of like to get into some drag in the future um, because while I present male and I do use male pronouns, quote unquote male pronouns, um, he, him, there's a lot of feminine in me and I'd like to honor that in some kind of drag performance or something or other in the future. But so I kind of held on to some of those items. I've since let them go because they just don't fit anymore. Um, The makeup would be too old to use by that point anyway. This is a good time, by the way, that I think we should mention. Um, Off mic, Sebastian and I were talking about how we don't want people to take this as a sort of trans 101. It's not. It's, it's not. definitely not. We are talking about one person's experience transitioning female to male and what what sort of things went into that and right. and his own experiences. This is a Sebastian 101, yes. not a trans 101. This is if completely you to about it, Sebastian. <laughs> if you relate to it, great, you know, but uh, definitely don't assume that any trans person that you meet will have the same experience as I. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess then where should we start? At the at the beginning, beginning? Yeah, at the beginning. So let's start with... I have to warn you, I'm the dumb one. So I, please, I, please ignore anything I say. I wanted to be a stupid. teacher and uh, I like to explain things. So cool. He is Ask full of anything. shit. He is one of the most intelligent people I I've had ever a feeling, met in though. my entire life. I had a feeling. I heard he, him on the last podcast. He likes, to and... keep, he likes to keep the expectations of his intellect low so people are surprised. Which is in and of itself a smart thing to do (laughs) to be honest so let's start from when you were a kid so we have already kind of got this picture that you were you were a girly girl like like my two girls are now you know they like princesses they like purple and pink and they like you know wearing jewelry and at some point something must have hit you that okay you're feeling some sort of ways about something how old were you when you had the first inkling of anything when I realized it myself I was into my early 20s I was um, 22 or 23, 22. 22. When I was an early teenager, I was not the most self-aware person. And I used to tell my friends, you know, like, I've got penis envy. For what? I didn't know. Couldn't couldn't make any sense of it. And didn't, I don't know that I wanted to make sense of it because that might be a box of worms that I didn't want to open. I was, I identified as a lesbian from the time I was 17 to 22 when I started to question my gender and my identity and all of that. But I used to turn to my friends all the time as a lesbian saying, you know, and I was just like, just for a day, I just wish I had a penis. What did you actually mean by I've got penis and was that was that the extent of it very surface wish I had it for sexual reasons just to see what it would be like and all my friends you know later once I came out to them as um, as trans they were like you know we kind of had some feelings we know you didn't, but we kind of had some feelings. We thought we'd just let you get there yourself. And I was like, you didn't want to tell me? You didn't want to you want to help a brother out? And you're like, <laughs> no, that didn't really feel like appropriate. Like it was our thing to do for you. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I, think I don't I think I would have said to... anything. No. And you know what? I, I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad yeah. that they let me kind of get there on my own. But growing up, you know, now we're in a brave new world. This is a mm. totally different world than 
you know, growing up in the 90s, the only trans people that you knew, well, first the word was transsexual mm-hmm. or crossdresser. Mm-hmm. It's always a man in a dress. And it was always the comedic punchline. Yep. Always. So while I, I had no idea that it was even a possibility for any anybody to do it wasn't in my frame of reference or anything like that. So, well, especially growing up in where Markham, yeah, Markham, Ontario, which is just north of Toronto, it's very suburban. So suburban, right? That's the most. Yeah, it's like the epitome of what suburbia is supposed to be is mm-hmm. Markham. You have to drive everywhere. There's nothing open after nine p.m. Yep. except for a bar. Great parking. Great parking. <laughs> Great parking. Not even progressive conservative. It's just conservative. Well, yeah, you have pockets of it. You have pockets <laughs> yeah. of it for sure. I went to a few different high schools in Markham. I went to Markham District High School, which was right beside my house. And that was a disaster. What made it a disaster? There was two things that you did at that high school if you went there. Okay. You either played in the band. Like band geek? or like, like band geek. Or like rock band. No, 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 not not rock band. Gotcha. No, no, no. Band geek, full orchestra. There was six different orchestras at that school. Nice. Yeah, it, very good if, you, if you're a musician and that's yeah, what you yeah. want to do. But that was that was not what I wanted to do. Okay. And the other thing was play football. Yeah, I can see that. And while I'm not knocking football, if you love it, that's great. You go do that um, wear your helmet because you're going to get some brain damage but i hated it i just hated it and there was i've always kind of been outside the box in terms of my personality so going to a school that's really like really preppy was just that's the best way to describe actually all of markham it is it's really preppy it's very preppy so yeah somebody who is already like going against the grain a little bit different you're not going to fit into this cookie cutter preppy suburban no. lifestyle. And I say and I say different what I really mean is like awkward theater nerd which didn't fit with that um with that high school. Mm-hmm. At all. When I switched schools, I went to an art school and it was like wow, blew my mind. Okay. There was openly gay people. You there was so many different arts programs and just different thoughts bouncing around that you would never find in this kind of closed-minded suburban school that my previous school was in it. It really helped me in my growth and figuring out who I was, that's for sure. Did you already have an idea that you were gay before you went to, like, because you said you came out, what, near mid-teens? Yeah, about 15, 16. I okay. Came out as bi. So prior to that, did you already have this idea? Did you already kind of know, like, how does how does that even come to you? When do you realize, like, okay, I'm not interested in men. I, I was not a very self-aware child. Are any children self-aware? I mean, I know that it sounds like I'm really like undermining no. children, but do they have the experience and the mental capacity to be so self-aware? One thing I will say is that in this day and age with YouTube, with the internet, with so much mm. access to different communities and different sub-communities and, um, you know, minorities, it's a lot easier for kids to realize that, you know, maybe their sexuality is a little you know, not, um, it, they're not straight or maybe they're not cis. That's something that we just didn't have growing up. The yeah, internet I definitely didn't think, exist. I think that um, kids are definitely exposed to much more than we ever were, like so much more. But I mean, do you think that a kid would be able to be self-aware enough at, you know, seven or eight and be like, no, this is who I am and this is what I want to be? Or do you think it would be more of this confusion in their brain like i know there's something but i'm not sure like i I imagine confusion i think the confusing part is you have a sense of what you are Mm -hmm. for yourself but everyone else around you is telling you how to be and it's not that i think that's the confusing part i think if you were to let that person just go and be their inner selves there wouldn't be confusion no if that person grew up in a void with no outside pressure or influence from society Mm -hmm. 
don't, yeah. I don't think there would be that confusion. That's there wouldn't right. need to be a confusion because it, that, that's, just, that's, just, that's you. just who you just are. That's just yeah. who you are. So kind of harking back to what I was saying about kids having access to the internet and seeing all these things is that they have these role models. Mm-hmm. So yes, that seven, eight year old now could absolutely turn to you and go, I'm gay or I'm trans. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. Right. And they'd be totally valid and they know what they're talking about. They they have the lingo. They know what it is and that it's a possibility in and of itself. Whereas maybe people from our generation and I I see I do see that a lot, you know, people kind of our age, they're like, I didn't know it even existed. I didn't know it was an option. All I knew was that you if you were born a girl, you like boys and that's who you are and mm-hmm. you're just a girl and then you turn into a woman and that's your life. Right. And if you're a boy, you're born a boy and you like women and you get married and you have a wife and that's your life. And that was it. So well, that's, binary. That's what we what we saw everywhere. Yeah. Every show on TV, it's all the same. It's, it's all the same. Man meets woman. They get married. They have offspring that they 2. raise. Two point five kids. They buy yeah. a house <laughs> right. and then they retire and you know have an empty nest and then that's their life. This question's for both of you. Then, how do you respond or how do you feel when people say that giving children this knowledge about uh, being gay about trans about is going to confuse them and make them say things like well I'm trans when maybe they wouldn't have been how do you respond to those people so many feelings about that one I see the fire right now I how would you respond to somebody who said that would you like to I don't this? respond to them because I think they're just talking out of their own preconceived notions lack of want to be educated and internalized hatred if they have kids I will absolutely spend the time to explain why you're the teacher you educate what but if you don't you, have kids what would you then say I to a person engage. with children who said I don't want her to learn about trans people because then she's going to think that she wants to be a boy. How would my, you respond to a parent? My response to that is, okay, so your kid sees these trans people and goes, you know what, that's me. And they, you know, you let them cut their hair, which can grow back. You let them change their clothing, which you can donate, buy them new ones. If that's, you know, that's what they decide down the line. Mm-hmm. Kids are malleable, yes, but they also don't get enough credit for knowing themselves either. Kids are many humans. They're many adults and you should be raising them to be able to make their own choices and make their own decisions and figure out what's best for them. Otherwise, you're not doing them a service whatsoever right. and you're setting them up for failure. Just as a parent, you know, trans issue aside, you know, and if if they're wrong and they go, you know what, actually, I, I'm not a boy. I don't feel that way. Okay. So what's what harm did that cause? You You validated them. You listened and you respected them. So so really, you're just encouraging and fostering a much better relationship with your kid, regardless of what the outcome is. And if they are like, hey, you know what? It's been five years and I'm about to hit puberty and I'm absolutely terrified because I don't want my period to start and I don't want to grow boobs or, you know, my Adam apple might be coming in and I don't want to have to have surgery 10 years from now because I have this giant Adam's apple and, and I feel it's not supposed to be there. Right. There's the op- option of puberty blockers which isn't adding any hormones that they might not have already been producing their, themselves. It just means that they have a chance to figure it out. They've got that period of time to go, I don't know if this is right for me. I don't know if this is what I want. And right now I really feel that it is, but maybe it, it won't be for in the future, five years from now. 
So I'm going to take this blocker and I'm going to take the time to figure it out. And it's not doing anything that can't be reversed. I love that response. And I love that you would actually take the time to educate them because 100, I 100% agree with you. I was that kid. Because I think that it's the people who have that sort of response, I think... Um, probably have a lack of education themselves and they need to be educated. Part of why I wanted to have this discussion, as we said, yes, this is just your experience, but I think that people are afraid to ask questions for fear of sounding offensive. offensive. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they don't want Mm -hmm. to sound offensive. They don't want to sound uneducated, but how can you be educated about something unless you ask the questions? And what you said is exactly what I meant. I didn't mean to be like not giving kids credit. I think that kids can totally... Um, understand who they are, but I do think that in our the way that we raise kids, it's, we're confusing them because a, a girl is born and everybody buys her pink things and buys her Barbies and you know lets her watch Frozen seven hundred right. times a day. By the way, I'm just telling you about my life. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, like as another adult speaking to another adult, you have to pull back and analyze, is this adult saying this because they're actually saying, I don't want to confuse my kid? Or are they saying this because they have their own hatred towards or judgment towards the the demographic they're talking about? Because at the end of the day, some people don't want to be educated. They just want to argue Mm -hmm. and tell you they're right. Mm -hmm. To follow up with that, you know, if I'm getting that question, it's predominantly from someone who just doesn't want a trans kid. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the comment. Um, and and that's a hard place to be in as a trans person because while we did preface this, this podcast with the fact that this isn't Trans 101, I will give you a few tips for anyone who, if you have any questions, these are some things not to ask. Don't ask what's in somebody's pants. Don't ask them about their body and their surgeries if they want any surgeries because not all trans people do. It, you know, what if someone came up to you on the street and was like, do you have a penis? Can I see it? You'd be like, no, man, what the fuck? Get away from me. People don't remove themselves enough from the question to be able to look at it and go, oh, that's actually what I'm asking. Yeah. Don't ask about their old name. Ever. It's not important. Why does it matter to you? Yeah, that's not important. No person in the world needs to know your old name. If you're curious, okay, be curious. But that's your curiosity to deal with. That's not you going up to a trans person and bringing up what might be traumatic for them. It might be it might be really hard for them to even be asked that question. While I don't mind so much, you know, it's not something I'm volunteering. You know, why do you need to know? You don't. You know me as Sebastian and that's who I am. So Well, exactly that. Why would we need to know, why would you need what to know? your old name was? I'm never going to call You're you that. Literally never going to call yeah. me that. And me Sorry, I'm kicking. No, you. no, I have I touched your foot. We were <laughs> It's like a perverse <laughs> sense of entitlement to knowing about this source of information because you don't understand or you don't want to understand. So you feel entitled to collect this information to validate your own thought processes. Mm-hmm. To go back to the kids, though, I don't think it, um, I don't think it confuses them. I don't think so. I, I would have been right. way less confused if I even knew that the word transgender existed. Did it exist no, in the mid-90s? I don't think so. Even if I'd known the word transsexual existed, which is an outdated term and let's not use it, but, mm-hmm. you know, or even if I had had an informal introduction and, and I didn't have a word, but I knew that as a concept it existed. Like if, um, and I can't remember his name right now, if Cher's son had come out, um, Chaz, if Chaz had come out earlier, maybe mm-hmm. I would have seen it and been like, huh, Hold on a second. You know, because as much as I did like some fairly stereotypical female things, I also hated only getting, 
girly things for presents. Right. I hated it. I used to rip the heads off my Barbies. I actually did that too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is which shows to show that it's not just a male thing. No, it's you know, not my, just a like, male thing. My mom would coach me before any parties and be like, okay, if you get a Barbie, what do you do? I say thank you, and then I throw it out after, or we donate it. And she'd be like, that's right. That's right. I do not rip the heads off. <laughs> not in public. You save that for private. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting, like, mirror though towards like this conversation of kids because you're saying you know at that age like you didn't have any knowledge whereas by comparison I did I knew what the terrible outdated offensive term transsexual was I knew what uh, lesbians were I knew what gay people were I knew what quote-unquote loosely termed cross-dressing was and it how was, did you, how did you know about all of this as a kid it was just something that existed it wasn't hidden from me it it was something that was just a part of life it would be yes those two men love each other isn't that beautiful yeah that's really cute like it just was of all the you, things my mom did wrong she did that right you told me the last time we met that you i don't remember how you phrased it but essentially you're like i've been queer all my life like yeah that was just normal life for you just there was, was. It, i never you know, questioned it i never had felt this feeling like i had to come out because it was just information that i had and it was just normal stuff mm-hmm. but by comparison the way that he was raised it wasn't and for me it wasn't either so i actually have more than one uh gay family member. And the the discovery was um, not until I was a teenager. And it hit me like, oh, aunt so and so has always had roommates. roommates. There's always these female room and these Mm. but but they're not just roommates because these female roommates come to all of our family. But it was just never spoken about. It was it was never like my parents said, you know, this is, you know, her partner. This is who she is. It was just, oh, auntie's friend. Right. Because it's too hard. And I'm using quotations here. It's too hard for kids to understand. Okay. So let's go from the beginning, from being a kid. What was early high school like for you? Terrible. Tell me what made it terrible. Um, my parents both worked a lot from the time I was eight until basically adulthood. Um, so I as the only quote unquote girl in my family, I had two older brothers, um, kind of took on the burdens of family life that I shouldn't have had to take on as a young kid. Um, I learned how to cook full dinners when I was eight because while my brothers were happy to eat frozen dinner every night, um, it got old for me really quickly. Um, I learned how to do my own laundry when I was eight, um, do full cleaning, mow the lawn, you know, like I was, I had to age a little bit faster than mm-hmm. um, some kids. You know, my wife over here is very similar situation in that we both kind of grew up a little bit we've, faster. We've than, heard her story. Yes. yes. We kind of grew up a little faster than maybe we should have. It's interesting though, as you said, as the only girl mm-hmm. in the family, you were the one that took on all of the stereotypical female Now I will say both of my brothers can cook and they both cook very well. Food is important in my house and and cooking is important, but it was on me to Mm -hmm. do it. Um, mostly because I was really the only one that cared. So you kind of took that on yourself though. Nobody was like pushing it on you. Part of it was at first it started as well, I don't want to eat frozen dinner again. So can you talk me through over the phone how to make this simple pasta dish? Because you have absentee parents who because aren't I, raising you. I had mm-hmm. absentee parents who just weren't home. And then it became an expectation of, well, you know, my parents would 
never say to me, well, you're the girl, so you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, there's five years between me and my oldest brother. So he was at that point a teenager and was like, fuck this, I'm out, bye. Yeah. And was never home. So it was me and my other brother and like, good luck getting him to leave his room. He's got schoolwork to do. And while I did too, it, it didn't, um, I always seemed to have had less that needed to be done. But in my early teens and early high school, um, there was a lot of, conflict within myself on not feeling right not feeling like I fit anywhere um I was an awkward kid who didn't really have a lot of friends my friends were in books and like one friend basically that was it what was what was your one friend like she was great um and more like a sister to me as the years go on um again my parents weren't home a lot so I spent I would spend months at her house months and months at her house. I spent whole summers um, going on family trips with her and her family. Um, And her parents were godsends to me in the multiple times that I came out. Her dad is Chinese and kind of reserved, but he's always been, okay, this is who you are. That's fine. You know, before I transitioned, whoever I was was fine. And after I transitioned, whoever was was fine. And her mom was really a second mother to me and, and oftentimes more like a first mother to mm-hmm. me because my mother was so absentee. So having my friend Hannah in the picture was literally probably a lifesaver in a lot of ways and in a lot of ways. Um, and then going into high school, suddenly I, I had friends. I learned how to kind of mask who I was a little bit and not be so awkward and be a little bit more socially aware. And then suddenly I had friends and I went off the deep end. I went off the deep end. I was partying. I was doing drugs. I was drinking. I was never home. You're not home. Why should I be home? Mm -hmm. Parents trying to enforce rules when they're not home is really difficult. (laughs) It's really hard. (laughs) Lesson learned for them. Um, And I just didn't, I didn't understand so much about myself and then not having the resources or the help or anyone to kind of turn to at home to be like, this is how I feel and I don't understand it. It left me putting that into other directions. When you say you, this is how it felt, excuse me for sounding ignorant. I don't know what that means. Like what, what are you feeling that you just know is not the norm from the rest of my high school friends? Um, okay. Um, it's also hard for me to explain Okay. Uh, in, in retrospectively, because while now I can look at everything and go, Oh, I was dealing with my sexuality. I was dealing with my gender. I was dealing with not getting enough attention at home. As a kid, I had no idea. So are I you just, just felt bad. I was depressed. I was sad. Okay. I was lonely. Were you angry? Um, a little bit, a little bit, but I wasn't really an angry kid. I was more sad. Okay. I was just sad all the time. Like I, I was depressed from the time I was nine till now, really. The angry came with the testosterone. The angry came with the testosterone. I used to be that person that if I was angry, I would cry. Right. If I was frustrated, I I would cry. Yeah. And just being so, even in times where I was so mad, the rare times where it happened, instead of being able to just like, you know, get across the fact that I'm angry, instead people are thinking that I'm hysterical because I can't stop crying, Mm -hmm. even though I don't want to be crying right now. I hate the fact that I'm crying right now, but here we are. Which then anyway. makes you cry more. Which then makes you cry more, as I'm sure you know, as you're agreeing. I'm with in the you. Corner. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Um, so I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know how to fix it. Okay. I just knew that I was sad. I was sad and lonely. So you, 16, 17, you said you came out as bi? I was 15. 15? 15. My first kiss was a girl in high school. Okay. It was a dare at a Halloween party. You didn't know that. <laughs> um, it was a terrible kiss. Who, who's daring you to do this? Um, 
It was just one of those drinking party game mm. dares kind of where it's like we're 14, 15. So oh, wouldn't it be so funny if you kissed a girl? So it's a, it's kind of the dopey dudes going. Yeah. Let's see you two make out. It was a setup. Yeah. It was a setup. Yeah. And I was 14 and it was like my first high school party. So I was like, OK, okay so you kiss the girl. So I kissed the girl. By Did the you way, like I it? Have, I have Katy Perry. I kissed yeah. the girl yeah. and I like yeah. it in my head. Which is there's so many things problematic with that one. But yes, I did like it. The kiss itself was terrible, but I did like it. No one kisses good at 14. No. no. So I, I thankfully, like I wasn't, there was no high bar or expectations. Um, speak for yourself over there. So I had some decent experience. Yes. What can I say? Um, and then it kind of was like, oh, wait, I did like that. Now, wait, let me think back to my childhood where I had these, quote, friendships with girls where it wasn't a friendship. I idolized you because I had a crush on you mm. and I didn't know what that was. Oh. Like, yeah. So you suddenly realized there were these all of these signs girls quote, that quote, you quote. were friends with, mm-hmm. but you you it was more than like yeah, you it wasn't wanted, a friendship. Yeah. It was because I had a crush on you and I didn't realize that as a a girl at the time I could have a crush on another girl so I just thought oh wow you're just my new favorite person right you know so who did you come out to I came out to my friend Hannah first mm-hmm. um, was Hannah surprised no okay. I, I don't remember I don't think so she had also just come out as, as bi and it kind of gave me the courage to be like huh so that's the thing. That's an option. Okay. 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 And then I came out um, and I came out to my mother first. I think I told my brothers and was just like, hey, also I like girls too. And they were, my oldest brother was like, cool. And my other brother was like, okay. I went back to playing his video games. So like really chill reactions from both of them. Both of my brothers in all of my coming outs have been pretty A plus. They're good Did guys. Did you have a good relationship with your brothers? Not really. No. 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 Okay. Um, me and my oldest brother, he was just five years older than me, so there wasn't any connection really. And me and the closest one, he's a year and 11 months to the day older than I am. We hated each other. Like, hey, so violent. Pushed each other down the stairs, broke my door because he was kicking it so much because he was angry. Like, so violent, so aggressive, hated each other. Okay. Um, but they were okay when but you they came were okay. out. Okay. We hated each other, but we've always loved each other. Kind of, kind of deal. You know? Yep, I get it. It yeah. took it took becoming adults to be like, oh, I understand who you are as a person, and I'm okay with that, and you're actually a good dude. Um, but yeah, to go back, it wasn't until I had these experiences and was like, oh, hold on a second, ding, 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 you know, and I could look back with this new information and these new feelings and kind of go, oh, okay, I see you now, little eleven year old with a crush on on you know her riding instructor. Because you didn't know any better and you just thought that, wow, you just really want to be like this person. No, you didn't. So why did you decide? Was it because of Hannah that you thought, okay, I'm bi? Mm-hmm. Why did you decide bi? Did you, were you also attracted to males? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. there, truly yeah. you, were, you were attracted to all people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And at the time, um, queer and pansexual weren't terms that I um, was familiar with. Or new existed. So Can we I do was, definitions at yes, some point because totally. I even I will admit, like I asked you guys off mic, I get confused with all the letters and what mm-hmm. is what and mm-hmm. wh- what's proper terminology. So I know Kitten described herself to me, as I said, as queer. That's usually what I kind of go with as well. Queer. Um, like an umbrella. It's kind of, it's turned into a catch-all almost. Okay. Um, queer can be used um, in regards to sexuality or gender or both. Really depends on the person. You know, some people who are non-binary who don't identify as male or female 
um, will use the term genderqueer. Okay. Because it kind of alludes to the fact that it's their gender that's quote unquote queer. Um, a lot of people have reclaimed it from being a slur. It was very much a slur. Yeah, I always thought that was like derogatory when I was younger. Like mm-hmm. you don't say it was. queer. It, it was. was. Yeah. Okay. So it's um it's a reclamation of the word. Okay. To use it for yourself when it's been a, a slur for so long. Um, like in in our home, like I use queer and pansexual to describe myself interchangeably, depending on who I'm talking to or just how I feel at that time. Mm-hmm. And for you. It's about your sexuality. It's about sexuality, not gender, because right. I'm very much cis, female, very femme. There's no question here about that. Mm-hmm. It is. And I'll use it um, for both. For both. Um, I am. My sexuality is fluid. It changes depending on the person, um, on the time of my life. I've always felt attraction to, quote, both genders. Mm-hmm. I also um, have been attracted to people who don't have a gender who don't identify with having any gender or you know who are gender fluid so they go back and forth between how they're feeling depending on the month or the day or the you know the hour um and how they they feel most kinship towards you know either side of what isn't really a spectrum in a linear fashion but we'll use it for this for the sake of conversation mm-hmm. um and pansexual is um, is very similar to bisexual, um, but it's I, I prefer pansexual as a as a term for my sexuality, and I think you feel the same for yours because it it's more open to different genders. Yeah, I was going to say to me, it sounds like just bisexual itself might be outdated. Well, there are some people who are just based on their belief system and the way they function in the world, they are like I am attracted to women. And I'm attracted to men. And for them, that could that can very much mean cis women, cis men. Okay. And for them, bisexual is the right term. For myself, just because I only know my own lived experience, pansexual means, and I kind of tend to very basic, basic explain it to people in, in a way that kind of has some humor and is understandable. I don't care about what's in your pants. I Got don't it. care. I don't care if it matches what's on your face. I don't care. If I like you, let's go over there. So you are, as you said, cis woman attracted. To who cares? People. Yeah, I love people like so much. Okay. I, I do have a you lean see toward. See how big her eyes went when she said so much. <laughs> I have a lean towards masculine energies. Okay. But energy doesn't necessarily reflect presentation either. Or gender identity. Right. Because presentation and gender identity so different are not the same thing. You know, that's why you'll have butch lesbians mm-hmm. or lesbians who identify with the term stud, even though calling them a man for them would be really offensive. I'm not a man. I'm a woman. But I look like a dude on the outside. Maybe right. they're not taking hormones, but their presentation is what... Pseudo-masculine you know, in quote, the box. But they identify but as they, female. But they're a woman. Totally. They don't okay. want you to be called a man. They're not okay. a man. They're a woman. This is just how I like to dress. And that's something that gets confused a lot in that presentation doesn't mean identity. It'd be like if I walk down the street tomorrow wearing a dress, that doesn't invalidate the fact that I'm a man. Right. It just means today I'm wearing a dress. Literally. That's it. You know, food for thought. Sorry, I keep looking at you because you looked like you wanted to say something before. How did your mother respond when you when you told her? Um, well, the first time I came out as bi, uh, she told me that I had to pick one and that's not how it worked and that you don't, you don't get both, you get one. She since changed her mind when I came out as a lesbian two years later and said, no, 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 I was wrong. You can totally be both. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, this is a familiar theme, you'll see. And I said, no, I think I'm just attracted to women. I had a bad sexual experience with a man. Um, I was sexually assaulted when I was 17. And I think that had a bit to play into it in that I was then very much afraid of men. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was just like, nope, I just like women now. Was that someone you knew? No. Well, it was a very new meeting. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't a total stranger. Like it, some guy didn't rip me into an alley. But um, it wasn't someone that I'd known for a long time, no. Um, and then fast forward many years, more like, maybe I do like men. That guy's really hot. Hmm, I don't know. Um, fast forward to 21, 22, and I started seeing some kind of women who were into androgynous modeling. And I was like, hmm, that's the thing. And I started thinking about it, got to a point where I was like, oh, I definitely am trans. I don't know if I'm FTM, which is female to male. I don't know if I'm genderqueer and I just like to present male. I was There was a lot of confusion and it took a lot of time to sort out. Um, but when I came out to my mother, I was really confused and I was scared and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to turn to. So you think, okay, I'll go to my mom. That's the natural reaction, right? You're you're lost. You're scared. Your first thought as a kid is to go to your mom. Was there any was there any fear in telling your mother mm -hmm. or going to her? A, a little bit, yeah. But I also had this naive thought process that oh she's my mom she's always told me she's going to love me unconditionally mm. even though looking back that hadn't always been the case but i still had that hope that i'm feeling so lost so she'll put herself aside for a minute and help me as her kid and that um that was not the case that was not the case um, at first, because I was so confused, all I knew was that I wanted to start binding, which is wearing a chest compression vest okay. um, to make my chest look flat, mm -hmm. and that eventually I wanted surgery. And that was something that I knew from the jump. So how old is this conversation? How old 22, 23. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really depressed at this point. I had um, been dealing with some addiction problems with drugs. I had had to move back home because of said addiction problems, because I... I couldn't work. I wasn't being able to pay rent. I had to move back in with my dad up in Markham. Um, everything in my life had just like gone down the toilet, basically. So I was feeling lost in so many ways. And then this just was one big like wrecking ball dropped on top of everything else to be like, hey, not to mention all of that, but add this to it. How did you say it? Did you say to your mother, like, I'm a man? Like, I feel like I'm a man. Did you? Ha I, I can't. I can't picture this I, conversation. My mother's a teacher, um, and at the time she was working in um, north of the Arctic Circle in Nunavut. So I sent her an email, a very frantic email saying, I don't know necessarily how I identify, but I know that I'm not a woman. This is what I want, and this is what I need. And what I wanted was hormones, mm -hmm. and what I needed was surgery for my chest, and what I needed was to just be told, whatever it is, whoever you are, it's going to be okay, and I've got you. Mm -hmm. And that was so far from the reaction that I got. My mother told me that I would be mutilating my body if I uh, got top surgery, which is kind of the, the, the term for a double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find it very often called a, just top surgery. I've, yeah, I've heard that term before. Um, she told me that... Um, 
she always knew that I was going to be a girl. She had a dream before I was born when she was pregnant with me that she had a daughter. And I've heard about that story my whole life. I had a dream that I have a son, that I had a son, by the way, and I have two daughters. So Right. You, you, it's, Mamas it's a, can dream. You're, you're full of hormones. Like, like you, you're pretty well to do in your brain. Like you're, you're a very stable person. You thank appear you. to be. <laughs> I was just saying, thank you. Or I'm a very good actor. <laughs> and, and while my mother started off as a very stable person, um, she had a lot of trauma herself that she never got dealt with, and it just got compounded over the years in a very unhappy relationship. And by the time I was in my early twenties. Um, I didn't recognize my mother anymore, really. I'm confused. I'm always confused. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm ask away. Ask away. Can't... I also ramble sometimes. It, no, no. The rambling's awesome. I love the ramble. This is where my confusion is. Can we do the timeline? Can we do the chronological timeline? From start to finish? Yeah. Or just of me transitioning? Um, From start to finish. Like, so, because this is where I get confused, because mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know where- I do jump I don't... around a lot. So No, 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 no. Nothing's wrong with that. So- Born, July 27th. Cool. 90s. <laughs> nice. Um, seven pounds, 11 ounces. Um. Markham Civil Hospital. Um, and my mother was over the moon. She had a third baby because she wanted a daughter. I was her perfect being, perfect child. Now, this is a mother who is um, a hippie. Okay. She's an anti-vaxxer. Gotcha. But I've had to since be vaccinated, and I vaccinated myself as an adult. Um, we still argue about that. Um, strict anti-vaxxer, homeopathic, holistic, naturalist. Earth muffin. Earth muffin. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm a bit of an earth muffin. So I I love, and so am I. No, no, no. And so am I. I think there's lots of benefits to so many of the things that my mother taught me growing up. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of value in a lot of those things. But when you combine everything and you refuse to listen to your doctors and you refuse to, you know, listen to hundreds of thousands of scientists, then I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was her gift. I okay. was her golden child because she had two boys and and then she finally had what she always wanted her whole life, which was a daughter, Okay, which is a terrible reason to have a kid. FYI, if anyone's trying to have kids, don't have it because you want a doll and you want something that you can teach your ways you can pass along your life of course and and your wishes and your wants but don't don't put everything was she trying to live vicariously through you Uh, and always was my whole life yes um put me into dance because she wanted me to be a dancer because she wanted to be a dancer dancer. um basically everything um starting out was because um, she didn't have it so she wanted me to have it which Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing for a parent to want it's how you how, how you go about doing that and implementing mm-hmm. that and making sure that your kid doesn't feel like they don't have any life of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, every item of clothing I had no say in. Every haircut I had no say in. Um, similar to how you grew up, Kitten, but the total opposite of it. Your mother wanted a boy and my mother wanted a girl. We joke all the time about how we should have just switched and maybe nobody would have ended up with so much trauma, including our <laughs> mothers. <laughs> um, so... Uh, fast forward, I'm three, four. I'm wearing my ki- my brother's hand-me-downs because we were a very active family. Okay. We road-tripped, we camped, so there's nothing wrong with this three-year-old wearing, you know, a purple mech sweater that used to be their brother's. Right. It made no difference. I didn't have much hair growing up. When I was little, little, I had like wispy blonde hair, almost like a Caillou. So cute. I was, I, I will say I'm very vain about my baby pictures. I was the cutest kid in the entire world. Such an adorable <laughs> baby, but almost bald um it wasn't until i was like four that i actually had some hair and then all of a sudden by the time i was seven my hair was down to the middle of my back um and i hated it 
I wanted it gone. I wanted to look like my brothers. Okay. I didn't know why, but that's so, what I wanted. And probably your parents wouldn't have thought that was strange because they're your older brothers. You idolized them. Mm-hmm. It was nothing mm-hmm. about gender at that point. And, and, right. And same, same for me. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, I just wanted to be like my brothers. My brothers were cool. Yeah. At this point, we got along. We were so little, so it was fine. Um, I saw all this freedom that they had, and I wanted it too. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to have to be wearing a dress because I wanted to go climb a tree. Now, thankfully, my mother would only put me in a dress by force for special occasions. Christmas, if my mother, my grandmother wanted us to go to church with her, which was very rare, thankfully. But, um, you know, things like that, special occasions, fancy dinners. And I loved to dress up for those things. So it right. wasn't really a struggle. So in a lot of ways, you know, it wasn't like my mother was, you know, like, no, you have to wear a dress. You have to wear a skirt. Did she buy me lots of them? Yeah. But was it like, no, you can't wear those pants. You can't wear those leggings. Not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. Um, it was a bit more when I got older in that, why are you wearing that that piece of clothing that's like four sizes too big, even though, yeah, okay, I see you want to be maybe like your brothers and maybe that's why you're wearing it. But it's just hand-me-downs. So whatever, you know? So for everyone involved, my my mom and myself included, it was just like... We could kind of skirt past it without really needing to put any more thought into it than just you're the youngest and then you're wearing hand-me-downs. And then high school started. And then high school started. And And again, you were the awkward kid with no friends. That was more elementary school. Okay. High school, you became the party animal. I did. I did. I became the life of the party. I went from having no friends to having all of the friends. I got along with everybody all of a sudden. Um. I went from going to a francophone Catholic school in elementary school where I had lots of friends to a French immersion public school in Markham where I had no friends. I was mm-hmm. the new kid. I was awkward. I was weird. I didn't know how to pick up on social cues very well. Um, and then so when elementary school was over, I was like, thank God, get me out of here. Um, I also wasn't getting a lot of attention at home. My parents were were never home. So I was that kid who faked sick a lot. I did. um, Just because the only time I would get attention or be able to spend time with my parents was when I was sick. So I didn't didn't attend a lot of my later elementary school years. Um, I would do my work at home or at my mom's office at the university um, or my dad's office at work. And I was content doing that. And then I got to high school and I had all this freedom Not really, but I felt like I had all this freedom. I could figure out who I was. I didn't have, you know, kind of these preconceived ideas of, oh, you're this weird, awkward kid. It was a fresh start. It was a clean slate. Yes, there was some people from my elementary school, but it was such a big high school that it didn't matter. Well, like you said, when you went to the first high school, you realized, I don't fit in here. Mm. And then you Mm -hmm. switched. Mm -hmm. Once you went to the art school, you felt home a little I bit did, more. I did. I did. Was made... that where you were where you were able to actually come out as bisexual? Oh, or no, I no. was at um You were at the first school when you I was came at out the first bi. school, but I didn't come out to like everyone. Just to your friends. Like, I told close my friends. close friends yeah. and I told my mother. And that was it. I didn't tell the masses at the school because even at that point there was this one openly bi girl and she was made to feel very uncomfortable. It wasn't the most accepted thing at that time. This was what would have been, I don't know, 2005, 2005. So it still wasn't, 
it had been heard of. People knew it existed, but it was still really kind of taboo. He was in high school in 2005. Oh, yeah. He's a bit younger than me. (laughs) I'm a year year and a half younger than her. (laughs) I just turned 29. She's quite a bit younger than us already. So, all right. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I'm a fetus. I know. It's okay. (laughs) So, it was very taboo. So, I didn't tell, like... Everybody. I told a few select people and kept it to myself. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, this is where the timeline gets kind of muddy and very quickly squished together. Yes, this is where it all kind of schmushes. Uh, I switched high schools to an art school. And everybody at my school, like all the guidance counselors and my teachers were like, this isn't going to fix your problems. And I was like, no, but at least I won't feel like a pariah. So I switched schools. It sure enough didn't fix all my problems. They were right. But it did enable me to get to a point where I could start to fix my own problem. So through all of this, you're dealing with your form of depression. Yes. And were you seeing uh, doctors for this? Were you in therapy? Were you on any Um, type of medication? Towards the end of my time at the first high school, um, my mother is anti-medication. Right. The only time that she would put me on medication was if I, I had chronic strep throat as a kid, so I would get antibiotics for that. But otherwise, like, no, you don't take medication. If a headache, okay, we'll give you some Advil, but otherwise it's homeopathic all the way. I took a lot. It took to the point of uh, attempting suicide when I was 16 before my mother was like, oh, something's wrong. You need a therapist. And because I didn't have the words to describe what I was feeling I just thought it was crazy. And I, the question of, well, why are you depressed? I don't know. I don't know. Depression doesn't, what I didn't realize that was a completely valid and acceptable answer was that you don't need a reason to be depressed. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain and it just is. It doesn't pick someone that goes, oh, you have a really valid reason for being depressed. So now you're depressed. If every person dealing with depression and anxiety could pinpoint what was causing their depression they and would anxiety, fix it themselves. this would not be a thing. Right. You know, my family, especially my dad was really guilty of this, of, you know, you're just not trying hard enough, which was a, a, a hard thing to hear when you don't even know why you're depressed. You don't understand it. I know we're going to get there. But when you finally came to this realization that I'm not female, mm-hmm. like I, mm-hmm. I'm not this person that I've. I been. need to know more about this. Like I want, I want to know what that, what does that feel like? Well, we're, we're getting you, there. We're getting there. You we can skip the ahead. Right? We can skip ahead. So I came out as a lesbian at 17. Um, not the most receptive reaction. Didn't tell my dad. Everybody else told my dad. Why didn't you tell your dad? Um, my mother had made me think that he would be so far against it. Okay. Um, And it was really my mother making me think that and not my dad himself. While my dad in previous years, like before I was born, did have his own misconceptions about gay people. Uh, My dad's a production designer, started off as a costume designer in the film industry and in theater. So for him, all of these gay guys appeared and took his jobs. I roll my eyes. Um, I don't because, even know how to respond to that. Right, how do you respond to that? Like, <laughs> but he's also like quite a quite along in his age. Yes, my dad is. Uh, my dad was forty six when he had me. But so I, there was I've a never big even generation heard that. gap. The, the gay people took my jobs. <laughs> right, right, okay. yeah. Like, how do you even respond to that? But otherwise, my dad was totally innocuous in terms of he didn't spread any pers- conceptions about what his opinion would be or anything like that. It just was. Um, so did my, he did he know that you were bisexual? Like that information had already. I gone don't to him? know. No, actually, okay. looking back, I have no idea. Okay, couldn't tell. So the you. point is, you didn't come out as a lesbian to your father. No, but you came out to your mother. I did. She preferred that you stay by, so there were still men in your life. Right. Okay. Yeah, she wanted me. She wanted me to be a mom. That was her like end passage. 
be a lawyer, get married to a nice Irish guy, have a baby, be a mom. Okay. This is what we dub the weird mom things in our house when we discuss these seriously traumatic behaviors. We're like, yeah, weird mom stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, another note as a earth muffin, my mother, was all about the divine feminine and how your uterus is a sacred thing and your period is a magical thing. And it can be. It can also be incredibly fucking painful. It can say, also I, give I you endometriosis. I do not describe my period as magical. It ever, can ever. also look like vomiting on your bathroom floor and needing to go to the hospital for morphine because your pain's so excruciating. Mm. Hi, hello. Yes, hello. That would be me. You know, so growing up with a mother who was so like, being a woman is a magical thing. And it can be for some, for a lot of women. And that's great for you. You weren't it, feeling it. But it, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. So for her, it was like, no, you still have the option of men. That's fine. Go back, go back to being bi. Um, and then cut uh, about five years later. I'm living with a roommate, my gay best friend, Fraser. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. With your mother and stuff? Mm-hmm. Ask away. There's a lot there. I kind of want to get the sense, is that you kind of looking back in retrospect saying, like, this is what my mother was telling me. This is the impression that she was leaving on me. And I'm trying to figure out, is it because you're kind of in combat with it that you're reading it a certain way? Or was it um, actually like that? No, it was actually like that. When I got my period for the first time, I was quite a late bloomer. I didn't get, I didn't go through puberty for the first time. I say the first time because I've had to go through it twice now. Um, I didn't go through puberty the first time until I was 16, which oh, is yeah, quite late. late. Yeah, Quite late. And that had a lot to do with the fact that there was nobody at home and forcing me to eat. So I didn't eat much. I was always been small and I was really active. So my period was quite delayed and I just didn't go through puberty until I was like 16. But when I went uh, through puberty and I first got my cycle, my mother made this very big deal about how amazing it was and how I was finally a woman. And she gifted me that she, she'd been holding on to this for a long time. She gifted me a beautiful necklace. Um, two things. One was a necklace of four moonstones because that's, you know, the female energy stone and it has to do with moon, your cycle, you know, that all ties in together. And then she also gave me this um, divine feminine figurine. It's basically um, a goddess mm-hmm. figurine. Um, anthropomorphic kind of sculpted woman. And for her, it was like the best day ever. And I was excited too, because all of my peers had been going through puberty and I was like, not knowing that I wish it just never happened. I I can't, I can't get off this. Is your mom, is your mom like this because she's like this? Is she's like this because in your head she's like this? Or is she like this because she's seeing that Mm, you're not the you're not the you're not the girl that I really want, and I got to figure out how to make you the girl that I really want. I um dealt with a lot of um what's kind of called fawning, um, which is a trauma response and a stress response. Mm-hmm. Where um when you when you become a fawning type of person, you will do anything and everything to make that person happy. So I grew up doing anything and everything I could to make my mother happy. So as far as she was concerned, I was that perfect little girl. Gotcha. Right? I was that little girl. She didn't have to try Mm -hmm. because unbeknownst to her, I was doing all the effort for her. The fact that she had the moonstones and the figures Just lined up waiting. It just, it, uh, my, my 
instinct is that she is just that woman. She that is just she that wanted woman, yeah. to have this well, perfect I, little daughter I get and it. turn her into this beautiful woman and mother I've, and she's still like this. I get it. I'm just asking that because okay, like I grew up in a Catholic family, right? So yeah, I got rosaries and this and that. And if I was growing up and I was thinking like I denounce God, I'm an atheist, mm-hmm. all the rest of it, I can read into this whole idea. My mother's giving me all this stuff because well, she's trying to put it on me. me. Exactly. Right, right, right. Um, Thankfully, I didn't have to grow up super religious. My mother was very liberal in the sense that she took me to like every and all religious ceremonies to be like, hey, if you want to pick a God and you want to follow a religion, these are all of the ones that are available to you. If you don't want to, that's cool too. You can pick a religion. You may not pick a gender. Right. To answer you, Mark, about Mm -hmm. whether it's a perception, which is totally fair, a great question. Um, I've since had many conversations with um, old friends of my mother's who knew her uh, when I was growing up. Because my mother, when I was growing up, is a totally different person than the mother that I have now. Um, My mother growing up was the life of the party. She would laugh. She was quick to joke. She was happy, good to be around. And then she started dealing with her own trauma that she had repressed for so long and it kind of exploded out and she turned the total opposite. So I've had conversations with old friends of hers um, who have had to stop being friends of hers because of everything that's happened and how much she's changed as a person who can validate for me that she was just like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just you being an influential kid. She was just like that. As an adult, I can look back and be like, you were seven, you were eight, you were 12, whatever. I was a full grown adult and I was friends with her and I saw it. I knew what she was like mm-hmm. and she was very much that that person. So then you send this email to your mother. Mm-hmm. Does she respond back with an email? Do you yes. get a phone call? No, she, she sent me a very panicked horrendous email and I think I still have it somewhere I'm not going to spend the time to look for it because A, I don't want to read it again and no. B it would just take too long that we're on we're on a time limit but um no she sent me an email um and the gist of it the first email and to be fair to her um the email the first email that I sent was just all over the place all over the place there was a lot of conflicting feelings and emotions that confused. I was trying to express I was confused we were everywhere. We were everywhere. Um, so to her credit, getting that email and not knowing what to do with it was pretty fair um, because it wasn't like this very formal, nicely worded. Hi, mother. I'm a man. I've never been a woman. This is not who I want to be. These are the steps that I'm going to be taking. You can support me or not, but this is who I am. It wasn't like that. It was, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. I'm not a woman. I need top surgery. Maybe I want hormones. Uh, Help me. I don't know what to do and I need your help. Um, And the response I got was, where did this come from? This isn't the daughter that I raised. I don't want you mutilating your body. I'm so sad because I'm losing my daughter. Maintained forever and ever. Forever and ever. I'm not defending your mother's reaction. No, 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 no. I think people in general have this instinct to start speaking or reacting before they've processed what's happening. The reaction is always about how it has affected themselves, right? So her reaction is, I'm sad. You're not the daughter I've raised. It's not like are you okay? Let's, t- you mm-hmm. know, calm down. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about you. No, it wasn't her about Her reaction me. was completely about her. And it, and it continued to just be about her, pretty yeah. much. And as I had mentioned before, you know, I just moved back in with my dad. 
was really depressed. I wasn't working very much. Uh, my mother was in the Arctic. So we were going back and forth with these emails that um, essentially just got worse and worse and worse. And it got to a point where I had mostly figured out where I stood and what I needed and who I was, you know, and I, I made that clear to her. I'm, I don't use she, her pronouns anymore whatsoever. I am a man, a fluid one, but I am a man. These are the steps that I'm going to be taking. I will be taking hormones. I need to get in to see a therapist so that I can do all of these steps because at the time the government had decided um, you need letters from therapists to go about and do all these things. When you say at the time, does that no longer exist? Not um, not for hormones. You can do an informed consent route now, okay. which is the doctor will just read you through what the potential risks are and then you sign a sheet going, okay, that's fine. And then they prescribe you hormones. Can we back this up a little bit? Mm -hmm. What do you mean... You don't feel like a woman. What do you mean you feel like a man? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. So you you just know that. And that's a really, and that's something that I, um, gender is weird. Like, yeah. So, it's a, it's but, an intangible concept that you have to try and put labels to and try and express yeah. in the best way possible. And it's difficult. So like, but what does that mean to you? Like when you say like, I know I'm not a woman, excuse me for saying No, dumb. no, that's okay. That's I just okay. have, I, I don't know what that means because it like. It means for me, yeah. I wish I didn't have a uterus. I wish that I didn't have the capability of of producing life with the exception of I wish I had sperm so to make is, life that way. Is it like I know that I don't feel right. like a woman? Yeah, yeah. And is it the alternative then that I'm a, a man? Lot of it. A lot of it, yeah. Okay. Um, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. Gotcha. Um, you know, and that, and to, to really mark, that's a lot of why I had such a hard time a, figuring it out once I knew that it was an option to not be a woman, to right. be transgender of some form or fashion, and why it took me so long to even get to that point in the first place. Yeah. Because it's such a weird concept. I mean, for you, why do you feel like a man? I don't know. It's really right. strange. You just are. Well, that's what I mean. Because nobody would ask a cis no, man but it's that, not even that, why do yeah. you feel like a man? <laughs> right. It's this intangible thing that you it, just kind of, it's, it's you this, just are. And yes, there are certain cultural stereotypes that I fit into that are very quote unquote man, but I don't have it in me to be like, I want to be a woman or I feel like a woman or I wouldn't even know what that feels like. Like that, that's kind of where like, like I can understand that if, if I was, you know, okay, I don't fit into this norm of being a man. I'm not attracted to females, but then for me to make that jump to be like, I'm, you're just Mark. Yeah. This you're just is Mark one of, at the end this of the day. This is one of those things. There's, I, this is no way a good comparison, but it's the only thing I can think of. I always try to explain to women how there's no way for anyone to explain to you what pregnancy is like, mm -hmm. what labor is like, mm -hmm. what delivery is like. You can hear 7,000 stories and you will still then enter that experience and go through it like, what the fuck just happened? Right. Yeah. And right. I feel when it comes to gender, because you and I, Mark, we were, you were born with male parts. I was born with female parts. I identify as a woman. You identify as a man. We can't imagine it any other way. There's no way that I could ever understand what it would feel like to be like, this body is so, not... But that's what I want to know. I want, does it feel like I don't feel right in my skin? So so imagine that, that you're Amanda and you're Mark. But when they're talking to you, Mark, they see Amanda. Gotcha. How terrible would that be to have that, that discord between, well, I'm Mark. I'm a man, but everyone looks and talks to me like I'm Amanda. Right. So is society the problem? Am I the problem? It's a bit of neither. It's that a bit of both. That has to be such a 
fucking nightmare. Mind tra- well, yeah, a nightmare. Like it's torture. I think we talked about it on your podcast, fighting with yourself, like convincing yourself, talking yeah, yourself this, into things. Because you can look in the mirror and see. At, at that time, you could look at the mirror and see a woman, mm-hmm. but yet you're like, no, like that. I I yeah. don't feel that way. And That's no, it. yeah, like you, we can't really put it into is words. It, Nobody's going to understand it completely unless you've experienced something mm-hmm. similar. Is it is it a dislike for being a woman oh, too? Is that part of it? No, no. It's I, just not feeling. It's just not feeling right he for me. Loves women. I do. <laughs> I do. I love women. Um, I love the female form. Um, but as for being one, no, it wasn't like, I hate being a woman. Like I said, you know, there was a lot of things that I really enjoyed about being a woman. Right. Um, I like colorful clothing. I like flowers. I like wearing tight clothes, you know. But those um, are also just stereotypes. Yeah, it's, it's yes. all, this is what we believe women should like. But mm-hmm. although you identify as a man, you are a man, mm-hmm. but you still like feminine things. Yeah. And that's Which totally just goes normal. to show that, it, that it, it also is not easy in that way to be like, well, am I just following these stereotypes that society's enforced on me? Or am I just, you know, am I a tomboy? Am I, it's a very confusing thing. And I feel for anyone trying to figure it out. And to answer you about, um, is it just that the alternative, you know, based on a binary view of gender is man? Mm -hmm. A lot of it. Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I'm queer in, in gender and sexuality. I look like a man. I call myself a man on the inside. Do I know what a man is in quotations? No, I've never been. I was never born and assigned male at birth and Mm -hmm. spent my whole life being raised as a guy, which I'm thankful for in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, It's offered me a a different perspective on on a lot of stuff. But I don't really know what it is to be a man. Every every man is different. Every man is going to be different, Mm -hmm. you know, in and of themselves. Yes, there's lots of behaviors that are stereotypical and you'll see a lot, but that doesn't mean that each individual man feels the exact same way on the inside. Of course. And some of those things are innate and some are, as you said, just forced upon them. You're a man. Don't cry. You are a man. I have something to say about that. (laughs) Actually, actually. that's hormones we figured out. So as I was, I don't remember if that was pre or post um, recording, but I used to be a huge crybaby. Any big emotion and I would cry. Anger, fear, Mm -hmm. frustration, sadness. I was a crier. Crying is healthy. It's good for you. And I'm almost unable to cry now since taking testosterone. Uh, Specific, I'm going to correct you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Specific dosages of testosterone because you've always been on testosterone as long as I've known you. That's true. But as the dosage increased to what would be considered a cis man's level of testosterone, uh, changes in behaviors Mm -hmm. and changes in reactionary behaviors have been drastic. And even the point of some intense discourse in like oh, in yeah. like change of personality. Oh yeah, absolutely. And this has been since you guys mm-hmm. have been yes. together. Since, in three and a half years. Yeah, there's been a lot of change. Does that create any kind of conflict? Oh hell yeah. yes. Let's back up for a second because you came out to your mother at you said twenty two. Mm-hmm. Twenty two or twenty three? Don't quite remember, but yeah. So how long ago did you guys meet? Did you um, meet? So we would call it, it was closer twenty six. Okay, like. Fresh 26? No. No. Fresh going on 27. Yeah, okay. No, that's wrong. No, 25 going on 26. Sorry. (laughs) 25 going on 26. So you had already been 
living mm-hmm. as Full Sebastian. Time. I actually we had a met different name. And I had a different name. When we met for the first time, I had a different name. Making a name for yourself is so fucking hard, guys. <laughs> like, oh my God. This is something that I lucky. relate you to. Just, we're like, all right, that's that's me. Set for life. Um and it's hard. I had picked a name. I had picked so many list after list after list of names and middle names and blah, 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 blah. And going back through them and reorganizing them. And crossing okay, them not to get, say when we, we met, he name. was Avery, but he was he. Okay. So before we get to all that, then let's let's go back to it. So now you've come out. It didn't go well with mom, but you said you were totally aware of what you wanted, who you were, and what course you wanted to mm-hmm. take. So how does the transition happen? How does it start? What's involved? You said, what, was hormones the first thing? Hormones for me was the first thing. Okay. I or wait, dysphoria, therapy. Therapy, yes. So I had to go through therapy. Right. I was already in therapy for my own depression. Mm-hmm. And then I specifically needed a psychiatrist. Okay. And someone who can prescribe point, And this is just because I, for some reason, I don't know if someone told me this or I'm imagining it this way. Do they... I guess my picture in my head is that the psychiatrist is trying to make sure that you are mentally stable and you 100% are certain mm-hmm. that this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Did it ever feel like they were... Gatekeeping? Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. very clinical. You know, they, ha- they they at the end of the day, they're just people and they have their own motivations for you know, their lines of questioning. Right. And there's also like, okay, so yes, to a certain extent, I can understand why from a mental health perspective, you want to make sure that this is a good decision and that I'm sure in it. Nobody goes to a therapist when they want a boob job. Nobody goes to a therapist when they want to completely change their entire face. Nobody goes to a therapist when they're getting whisker implants or horn, subdermal horns under their, you know, right. under their skull. Maybe they should, though. Maybe they should. Whether or not they that's, should that's isn't the question. That's a whole other conversation. Right? Like, that's not the question <laughs> but here. So the fact you is to that go they through don't. therapy to be certain that you want to identify as a different gender and not identify. I had to go through therapy to make sure that the bodily changes that I would be going through would be okay and right Right. for me. Because you can, I mean, you can say you are whatever you want. Right. But it was more like, because you wanted what you had said, you wanted top surgery. So to make sure that you were certain that you want to go through all this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How long is the therapy? Um, It was really short. Thankfully, Um, I was at a good clinic where they were like, we do unfortunately need you to see the psychiatrist, but he's in office. We'll book you an appointment. You go see him once, have a have a talk with him and you'll be okay. So it's not like this ongoing dragged out process. No, it can be rural areas and in the states, more conservative places. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. I'm lucky in that, you know, as much as Markham is suburbia, it's also part of the GTA. We're it's pretty progressive. Yeah. So I went to the therapist, went to the psychiatrist, was like, this is what I want. He was like, okay, do you know the risks and the concerns? I was like, yes. And he was like, okay, I think that you're, you know, yes, you have depression, but you're ultimately a stable human being. And I really, truly think that this is going to help your depression. And I was like, that, ding, ding, ding. that was the question that I started to ask when Mark wanted to rewind, mm-hmm. which since we're here now, once this, um, this sort of all started to become real, you know, like now you're going to start the hormone, you're going to start this transition to become who you know you are. Was there a weight lifted off your shoulders? Did you feel like it helped with the depression? Did it you did. Feel, yeah, it okay. did. While I still have mental health problems and I still do suffer with depression, it's not the I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel kind of depression. It wasn't I can't leave my bed depression. There was still some of that 
post starting on hormones, but there was also a lot just, I was on hormones, I was off hormones, I was on hormones. I had a really transphobic endocrinologist who would only prescribe me the, the lowest possible dose of testosterone that you can give to anyone, even lower than they'll give to a lot of cis women when they're dealing with their own hormonal ups and downs. Basically, that they is very surprising. Him. Yes. And like, she made an me- An endocrinologist f- that is withholding hormones? Yes, she did. She did. Um, and she made me think that everything was fine, that my levels were up there. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm not seeing any changes. Nothing's happening. And it was really hard. And I had to go and self-advocate and get a new endocrinologist to have my levels checked where they were like, your levels are like, they're not, there's no testosterone basically in your system. You have your, you have your free floating testosterone, but you don't really have any. So once you were seeing a new endocrinologist, you're getting the hormones, um, what types of changes did you start to notice first? Um, body temperature. I used to be cold. I've always been small, but I used to be cold everywhere all the time, all the time. Like I would, it would be the middle of summer and I would jump in a pool and get out and I would be cold kind of deal. Um, now that was I'm, me before children. I'm hot all the time. <laughs> now I'm hot all the time, like all the time. Okay. I'm sweaty. I never used to be a sweater really. I sweat constantly you're kind of gross i'm gross (laughs) see that is a dude thing and that's one of the reasons why i kind of wish that i'd always had testosterone because it would have been ingrained in me that like you're just going to be sweaty and gross and you just have to deal with it instead of what's wrong with me and i'm disgusting (laughs) you know um i can't see your face Um, I, I, ba- I just went, I, you know, teenage boy, I was a teenage boy. I got hungrier. I got hotter. You're I got hornier. A teenage boy. Yes, but I'm actually a man. My body feels like a teenage boy, <laughs> but my mentality is less of a teenage boy now than it was when I first Did you just call your husband a right. teenage boy? Look, you don't live with him. I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, still a teenage The three H's were really what started it off. That's what I would call them. Hot. Heat, hunger, and horny. horny. Yeah. Okay. My sex drive went up. My hunger went up. My temperature went up. Now you're just hot all the time. Now I'm just hot all the time. Yeah, because I'm hot all the time. (laughs) Hot and bothered. And I don't get personal space when I'm hot. You can't blame me for what happens at three o'clock in the morning when I'm asleep. (laughs) Oh, that's fair. She does get mad when I wake her up to roll her over there. Um, And then I started growing a bit more um, body hair. My arms, my legs. That was pretty much it for a while, for a long while. If we're honest, really, a lot of those big changes came after we had you moved over to injections. So it's really been only a couple years. Yeah. So I started taking hormones when I was 23. When I met Kitten, um, I'd been on and off hormones. Um, I was using an androgel, which is just a, a gel you rub into your skin. It absorbs and you put it on every day. And then I moved to a different endocrinologist who turns out I had no idea was actually private. And I was paying an arm and a leg just for the appointment. And he put me on a compounded cream, which was also far too expensive. And too low of a dose again. Too low of a dose. And then I finally got into an actual proper endocrinologist who would listen and was giving me the appropriate dosage. So, so I had to yell at her. Yeah. I mean, she was a bit nervous at first about jumping up too drastically and what that might do to my body, which is right. to a point understandable to a certain point. I mean, I was going to say yes, understandable, but I'm say- thinking understandable in the sense that doctors never want to do anything that 
is going to come back and bite them if there's right. any liability associated. Right. So even if this doctor maybe thought that he could handle a little bit more, it's I feel like doctors typically tend to stay pretty conservative unless you find that one rebel rogue doctor that will just do what you want. It was her own admission that he was being severely underdosed. But then when it came to changing that to something appropriate, she was resistant. And we had a very interesting conversation. Um, now I'm at a, a good dose and it hasn't changed in a while. There was a point um, up until maybe three months ago, actually, where I was going to the endocrinologist every three months and getting my dosage upped or changed or extended or whatever, because it's a, I don't, I don't have testes. I don't have my body just naturally regulating itself. So I have to be monitored until I get to a set level that it's, everything is pretty even. We're all good. And you can just stay there now, which is where I'm at now, which is okay. good. It's a relief. During all of these trials with the hormones, did you end up doing the top surgery in there somewhere? I have it coming up in October. Okay. So you're still, um, what's I still wear a binder. I'm binding. Binding. Okay. Is that uncomfortable? Yes. My back is constantly in pain. You want to hear something? Oh no, I don't. <laughs> It even you, you like... may need us. I do. <laughs> no, he does. I, he no, really it's does. Not a joke, yeah. So sorry, the top surgery is coming up in October. Mid-October. In October. Oh, so soon. Are you excited? You're excited. Yeah, I can see your face is like glowing. You're so excited. Yeah. It's a long time coming. It's a long yeah, time coming. I'm 29 sure now, years, and yeah. I felt this way since I was 22. So oh my goodness. But beyond that, like binders are terrible. Like we're forced to wear bras. Well, I don't. I haven't in years, thank God. But we're societally forced to wear bras, and just think about what that does to your back Mm. and then internally how it weakens the muscles in your chest and things like that just because you're not using them and from what I've witnessed because I don't live that I've never tried it I god knows I wouldn't if you paid me a million dollars because I've seen how uncomfortable at times painful extremely limiting in terms of physical activity ability to even do something as basic as eat or drink I would imagine it affects your breathing as well like you're like Um, yeah so day to day when I'm not too active it's fine um it's a it's a good level where it's not constricting my breathing but I can't do any physical activities in it at all at all I can't go swimming in it I can't go for a jog um if I'm doing a vigorous hike that's about the most that I'll do and even then I'll take breaks just to make sure that you know I'm not I have enough blood flow in my ox in enough oxygen in my blood Mm -hmm. and that I'm not going to just like pass out. But it does impact everything from eating. Like I I have to take it off to be able to eat an adequate amount. Right. Like going out on dates can sometimes be uncomfortable for him because he'll just be sitting there awkwardly like I physically cannot eat. I'm hungry, but I can't do it. And people are looking. You know, like I'll order this, this food. It's not the most amount of food. I'm not like about to gorge myself, but it's a standard dinner plate and I'll eat maybe half of it. That's a good day. And that's a good day. Because so I'll I'll just I'm just gonna show you guys. Podcast a land bit. can't see, but he is showing me <laughs> so um, how this, he's like, bound up. Yeah, it's a it just looks like a blue vest. Vest. Yeah, basically. Um, there's no there's no clasps. There's no velcro. There's no whatever. It's one piece. Yeah. Um, it's mostly spandex. So like these top parts on the back are really stretchy. So it's like seen. the most extreme sports bra in the world. Slash yes. bodysuit. So like yes. up here and on the back, you'll see how much it stretches. It it's does, great. Yeah. But this section from here to here at the front, if you see, yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. And that's a good thing. That's what I want because otherwise 
what's the point of wearing it if it's just going to stretch? And then I mm-hmm. might as well just be wearing a sports bra and right. that's not going to do what I want it to do. Right, right, right. But it does limit things, yes. Because it sits just where my stomach ends. Yeah. My stomach is, you know, the three bottom inches of my binder is where my stomach is. And it's... um it can be very triggering, you know, for like feelings of like inadequacy and then, oh, look, I'm stuck doing this thing because I got stuck in this body that I don't relate to. It can mm-hmm. be very spiraling just to have to even wear these things Summertime that are helpful. Hard. Yeah. And Summertime for, and for really like hard. seven years. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, um, like I said, I used to be a dancer. My posture used to be impeccable. You could always fit something behind my back and the chair. I was really proud proud of it. Um, Since wearing a binder, I have just terrible posture that if I don't fix soon, I will end up with a hunchback. Just like a teenage boy. (laughs) You don't look so bad. I'm trying right right now. (laughs) It's also part of how I carry myself. Intentionally having my shoulders a bit forward means my chest appears flatter. Yeah. Right. So that's part of... I don't want to say hiding, but... It's hiding it. Yeah. It is hiding it. You don't it, yeah. want to be... I don't want to be walking down the street with facial hair, with a voice that, for the most part, is, you know, deep enough to be masculine and looking the way that I do, which is, I look like a guy. And then all of a sudden, there's breasts. Yeah. We live in Scarborough. I don't need to get beat up today. I don't need to get yelled slurs. I don't Does need- that happen? I mean, I, sorry, let me rephrase that. I am of this very naive mentality sometimes where I feel like in this day and age, do people really still have such a fucking problem with Absolutely. Like to the point where somebody would yell something to you on the street. Somebody went into the gay village to preach the other day and then complained that they were being hate crimed against for having people be like, this is street harassment. You're literally in our neighborhood telling us to go die. I was at work. And someone didn't get their coffee right. So she turned around and very loudly screamed in front of her children, you fucking faggot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It happens to me. I hear it. And I it just each time like I don't I can't even believe I'm so shocked by it so often. But I'm like, because it is unfathomable. Like, how do you if okay, let's say that you have your own feelings about it, whether or not I agree with them or not. I can't imagine like yelling something derogatory out in public. Like I'm assuming that people did anybody say anything to this woman with no. kids? They, they turned no, no, no. People won't say anything. I'm the loudmouth in Scarborough who makes people uncomfortable. I told you guys this in our session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people looked, and when she walked away, one or two people were like, "You know, that's really terrible. Are you okay?" And I was like, "Thank you for checking in, but like that's not really what I need. Mm-hmm. What people need is to be stood up for. You know, wow. Um, which is also part of why I find it so important to be vocal and to educate people. That doesn't mean that I have the energy for it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not my responsibility to make sure that you're not a bigot. It's not. You know, it's not. You have it's... Google just like everybody else. I found all this stuff on Google. You can too. You can find anything. You <laughs> can find anything. Well, like I said at the beginning, part of the reason I wanted to do this is because I think people do have questions. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to ask for, for you sure. know, fear of offending somebody, but also just to understand. And I think we talked about this kitten. It doesn't matter what your thoughts are on a person. Take away any of it and just remember this is a person. Don't this be a, a dick. Don't, Don't be, a, be dick. a dick. This is a person. <laughs> and you know, to, hark- to go back to those like, 
not wanting to be offensive, but also wanting to know, ask yourself this before you ask a trans person any question. Is this something that I can find online or is this specific to this person and it's going to help me respect them mm-hmm. more? Is it necessary? Is it, my, is it necessary. necessary? Is this yeah. my curiosity? Because that's fine. You could be curious, but that's what Google's for. I definitely had questions. For sure. I had only for had sure. one previous queer relationship with a trans person. And because we were both young at the time and this person, she we're still very close, still my best friend to this day. And like, we've been involved in some capacity since we were 12. It was just because of me being who I was and because of her being who she was, it was just something we went through together. Right now, uh, I'm a bisexual man and you're my girlfriend. And now I'm, I'm doing at the time what was still being called cross-dressing and like, we're still best friends. Yeah, we totally are. Okay. Now um, I'm a woman and I guess I'm your ex-girlfriend. And I'm like, yep, raid my closet. That shit doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> You know, so prior, that's all I knew. And then Mm -hmm. I met him and I was like, okay, this is different and I don't understand and I want to be sensitive and not cause harm, which Mm -hmm. is where your questions should come from if you have them, I think. Right. How did you guys meet? (laughs) I met on a photo shoot. I was actually about to bring that up because part of why I was so open to just answering questions for you was because you had been one of the most validating people up until that point and she had no idea. I don't even think she knows exactly that that one moment that she did that was so validating for me that I was like, you can ask me anything. Wait, what did I do? Right. <laughs> so we met on a photo shoot. Um, it was a mixed photo shoot of a boudoir shoot and a serial killer photo shoot. It was a, it was a long day. Specifically historical serial killers and recreating mm-hmm. their famous mm-hmm. um, crime scenes. Anyways. <laughs> one photographer, one location, two different shoots on the same day. Um, so we met, um, that day had never met each other. We met through a friend, um, clicked like that. We were both seeing people at the time. So we were just like, okay, I'm, you know, like, let's talk. We'll connect on social media, but that's it. I I already told him how we bonded over that crappy experience. (laughs) Yeah. It was a great bonding experience and very validating for the both of us. But during that shoot, um, you know, I was the male model at the time. And so I'm surrounded by these beautiful women in lingerie and her and I are doing a few shots together, I guess, because our friend loved our chemistry or something, but we were in this library setting and we were just taking shots and I was wearing my binder and she knew I had been, we'd already had that conversation. She kind of like went to put her hand on my chest as though I wasn't wearing a binder and there wasn't breasts underneath my binder. You know, we're working. You know, working. We're, we're we working. gotta do. We're doing the thing. <laughs> and without hesitation, she just like put it there and then was like, oh, maybe he won't be comfortable with this. Looked at me. I went, mm-hmm. And then she just put her hand on my chest as though I had pecs and like, like as any, any other guy. And at that point, I wasn't really passing. I was on such a low dose. I don't even think I was on testosterone at that I point. I have a picture. You do you? Keep talking. Keep um, talking. And so it was just like, wow, this chick that I've never met before is like, okay, dude, let me put my hand on your chest. Like, no big deal. And it was so, and she was, she was. And it was just like so mind bogglingly validating for me. At that point, had you had relationships with women Mm -hmm. as a man? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this wasn't necessarily like a new feeling, but it was more the fact that she just met you. That was was it. That was it. Like, you're by all definitions to her. 
you're a man. Yeah. Like she wasn't yeah. like, oh, can I, can't I? It was right. just, it was just, this is that day yeah. here. Have a, take a peek. Oh, I'm looking at the pictures of the photo. <laughs> I don't even remember which picture. You're it's, showing the, it's the one. It's that one. Uh, yes. That was, that was us joking around. Not during Who was the joking around. Photo. Well, you weren't. I was, I was started. I was like, oh, look, I found a crop. And then she was like, I volunteer. It sounds kind of like you were sort of into him from like right away. Do you remember when I told you I'm like a dog with a bone? You have to set me on fire. Nobody set me on fire. Okay. <laughs> so you were into him right away, but you guys are both seeing other people. And eventually, obviously, those other people went away. Lucky for mm-hmm. you guys. Especially those, con- those were conscience decisions on both of our parts to okay. be like, these were aren't you, working. Were you immediately into Kitten when you met her? Yeah. Okay. I Not enough to... Um, not be loyal, not enough to be like, wow, I can't stop thinking about her, even though I'm with this person. That makes one of us, I guess. I thought about you a lot, but not in a way of like, how do I leave this person so I can be with her? Um, as much as when I did meet her, I was like, wow, you're really great. We got along really well. Wow. When's the last time that's happened? Mm -hmm. You know, like we got, we clicked within 30 seconds of meeting each other we sat on did you ever feel hours. the need to have a conversation about gender about sexuality like or was it just a non-conversation like you were just two people and this is the way things are did you have to have any kind of discussion clarifying things roles whatever no we did have some sort of di- discussion I feel like we just but it was on more it. yeah it wasn't like we have to talk about this it was more i think you coming to me being like how can i best respect and validate you in this and what are some things that might invalidate you Mm -hmm. and I also went to her and was like hey like if you do this or this like that would be great but if you do this like that's a no-go for me you know like like how to react to accidentally saying the wrong pronoun which I did once and I was highly embarrassed Mm -hmm. (laughs) well she was looking at my friend she was looking at our friend who's a woman and you know when you're looking at somebody and you're talking to the room Mm -hmm. but your brain kind of just like yeah you're looking at that person, so you're going to talk like you're talking to that person. Even though I'm talking about him. And I was like, oh, and I totally he. saw And then happened. I was like, he. And we had to have a conversation about that, about being like, okay, yes, apologize and move on, but don't dwell on it. Yeah. Um, because that's a hot tip that I will take and just say that applies to pretty much the whole trans community. If you mess up somebody's pronoun or their name, don't make a big deal. Don't, don't make a big deal. Apologize. Say, oh, my bad. Fix the pronoun and move on. Or or maybe don't even, if you're in a group, don't even call attention and apologize. Agreed. Just correct yourself like you would if you were talking to me and you accidentally called me he and carry on. That does happen. Yeah. Where you just, you say the wrong pronoun regardless of the person is trans or not. Yeah. So you don't have to make any. A big no. deal. Don't have to making, make it awkward. Yeah. Making a big deal of it will make that person uncomfortable. Maybe they're not out to everybody. Maybe now you've just outed them because you've made such a big deal about calling them the wrong name or the wrong pronoun when you could just as simply go oh um you know i'm looking at you and i say oh mark uh, sorry amanda you know and then we move on and yeah exactly. if you want to later in private you can go i didn't like that thing that you did right or or i you know you go over to them and say like 
my bad. I'm so sorry, but I didn't want to make a big deal of it. And they'll probably go, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Where were we before that though? I'm not sure, but I have a couple of, I know that we've been going on for quite a while and I won't keep you guys here too much longer, but a couple of things that, like I said, this is a lot of the questions I'm asking are based on things that I've heard, just ignorant statements, uh, curiosity statements. And I really love, I feel like you taught me something today. I mean, I always learn something on the podcast, but about the fact that just because you're curious about something doesn't mean you have to ask it. No, and it doesn't, it also doesn't give you the right to ask it. Right. I love that because it's there's things that like you said you you kind of want to know to be able to maybe understand a person Mm -hmm. more respect a person Mm -hmm. more but there's things that you don't need to know like exactly what's in the person's pants are are you having sex with me no okay then what's what does it matter to you and if you are having sex with me we've probably already had that conversation (laughs) and we're probably you're probably down still so like i don't know what you want you know has it ever happened to you where somebody asks you flat out like like are you a man are you a woman are you like Mm -hmm. are there people who who oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and not so much these days because i i I quote pass, mm-hmm. which is that's a ter- that's a discussion for another time because there's a lot about that and if it's problematic or not. But maybe like as but, you said, um, in the earlier phases where mm-hmm, you know you mm-hmm. didn't have as much testosterone, so you probably mm-hmm. still were a little more, I guess, feminine. I yeah, dainty bones. So, what's, what's the like, scenario in which that even happens? You know, oh, it could be fucking anything. Like I'd really? be out at a bar and someone would be like, "Yo, are you a chick?" Mm. You know. Or like, I haven't had to think about it in a while, which I'm l- happy to say. Because now people just see right. a man. You know yeah. you know what, though? I will say, so I work at a McDonald's location and I work, you know, there's a play place in my mm-hmm. location. So sometimes I have to go in and tell the kids to like, you know, make sure you're not running around without your shoes on when you're out in the lobby or you can't climb on that thing or, you know, let's not fight. And kids just... They just have a different way of seeing of things. I get misgendered more often by kids now than anyone else. Kids and homeless people. There's something about how they see the world mm-hmm. and how they see people and see their truth that is just uncanny. Because it has nothing to do with, I guess, your clothes or no. how you're presenting or no. whatever. No, it- it's something innate almost. Yeah. Everybody else would be like, that. no, that's a guy. But, you know, little kids... Or drug addicts, people on drugs. And I, I don't mean that in, a, in an offensive way. Of course, not. I used to be a drug addict. There's something about the, f- the the way that your lens is filtered that you can mm. just like, you just clock people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. But yeah, people just have the nerve, like balls of steel for some reason. And, and they think that they're entitled because they're curious. They're entitled to make you uncomfortable or to disrespect you just because they. So people have literally curious. just walked up to you and said like, oh, yeah. are you, are you a chick? Yeah, yeah. How do you respond? Um, It's. Uh, sometimes I freeze. Sometimes I'm like, wow, you're a really big, scary dude. And I don't know what to say. So I'm just going to walk away. Mm. Um, sometimes one of my friends would be there and they'd be like, what the fuck is your, pr-? you know, and they'd, they'd like stick up and right. just like go off on the person for me. Hitting stepped out to take a phone call for anyone listening. Cause I can imagine she would pounce. Oh my God. Yes. She's a feisty yes. one. Feisty. <laughs> feisty is an understatement sometimes. Yeah. No, she's like my biggest, if anyone, it doesn't happen um, so much now. Most people just think I'm a gay guy now um, because I do have a high voice. I spent so much of my life not needing to worry about my pitch or my tone or the speed of speech because that's another thing is that I, I do speak a lot faster than most cis guys. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that cis men, they have a slower tone. I they have honestly didn't notice that inflection. until right now. And you're right. They don't. They, they self-moderate a bit more in the range of their pitch. 
And when I really focus, it's fine. But that's not how I naturally talk. I talk like this. It's fast. It's rushed. I can be high-pitched. I can whine because I just have a higher tone to my voice. My voice never dropped as much as I wanted it to. Both of my brothers have those like deep bass voices that you can hear. Even when you can't hear it, you can like feel it in right, the house, right. you know, those voices. <laughs> so, but I, I didn't get that, unfortunately. Um, so I most often just get called like gay slurs instead if someone's going, going yeah. to be problematic. When I tell people that I have a wife, they go, really? I thought you were gay. I thought that your 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 partner, your your fiance was a man. That's the shit that boggles my mind, man. Like if somebody were to say to me, my wife or whatever, and even if I had thought at some point, like, oh, I think that dude's gay. I don't think I would just outwardly say to the person right, right there, like, you know, what? I thought you were gay. Oh, because yeah. clearly he's not since right. he just spoke about his wife. Right. But people do have balls of steel, man. They really do. They have such nerve. Like there's, there's things that people ask me and I have a terrible memory, so I, I can't think of anything specific right now, but there's things that people ask me and I, I just like internally, I'm like shaking my head. Like you really thought that was appropriate to just go up to a random person and ask mm-hmm. because you know, 99 times out of 100, if it's somebody that I know and I care about and they're a friend of mine and they don't understand something, I want them to understand. So I will spend the time and educate them and talk to them about it. But you're just some random person asking me all these personal questions like, no, fuck you, go away. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm much more comfortable if it were to happen to be like, you know, either give some completely ridiculous flippant answer that makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever or to just tell them like it is. You know, like I'm now coming up to this point where, so I'm what's called stealth at work. So I transitioned before I started working where I am. So everybody just sees me as a guy. They don't know my history and mm-hmm. I keep it that way. I prefer it that way. They don't need to know. They don't need to know. It's none of your business. Mm-hmm. Um, because people's perceptions do change once you tell them things. Um, but I have this surgery coming up in October. I have to take, you know, at least two weeks off. So now I'm going to be starting to be like, well, I have, you know, I need two weeks off. I'm going to start getting the question of why. Oh, I have surgery. Oh, well, what's wrong? Which is a, you know, to a certain point, that's a valid question. It's also personal. People don't realize how personal that can be. Mm -hmm. And I'm now, you know, struggling with myself. How do I answer that? Do I say something ridiculous like I've seen in some trans support groups of some guys just being like, well, I have to have my head surgically removed from my ass. You know, (laughs) Um, you should see the shark or you should see the other guy or, you know, I have, they'll say something called gynomastia, which is um, a condition among cis men when you develop breast tissue, Mm -hmm. which you know, there's a lot there with like chromosomes and what really is male and what really is female. And scientifically speaking, there's as many different variations in body types and hormones and mm-hmm. genitals as there are human beings. So there's a lot of outdated stuff that as a society we're starting to shed and is good. Yeah. But the surgery thing that's interesting. Um, so I have a I would call her a friend. Like we've we've become actually quite close and mm, probably a year ago. She didn't show up to a function that we were all going to. And when I sent a text like, hey, what's going on? It was, you know, recovering from surgery. So, you know, I had to miss or whatever. Never did I ask her what the surgery was for. Mm -hmm. Not even because I was thinking it might be. I mean, I I know her well enough to know that she's female. but, But I felt like if she didn't offer that information in telling me she's having surgery or that she just had. If that information wasn't put on the table, there's a reason for that. Because she just wanted to let me know, you know, I'm recovering. I'm okay, But. 
I'm going to miss this function. I didn't need to know what her surgery was for. She ended up telling me months down the road, but I never asked. And I feel like that's another thing that why the curiosity. It's like when, you know, because Facebook is everybody's life now. It's like when somebody passes away. There's always that one guy. What happened? Right. It does, why why, why does is it that matter? the question? And 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 it's always, pretty much always, what happened? And not, I'm so sorry for your right. loss. This is very sad. It's, tra- you know, s- sympathy, words of comfort, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, that's so tragic, you know, such a loss. How did it happen? It's never prefaced with with all of these good things and good intentions. It's always just, it's, it's, that, it's that one guy, yeah. you know, and to date, every person I've told, I call him curious George. Oh, honestly, <laughs> I'd prefer curious George. He'd probably be more respectful, but um, every person to date that I've told about this surgery, because I tell my friends, of course I'm having top surgery and they're all happy for me. Um, but every person that I've told that I have surgery coming up, every single one has been, why? Are you okay? What's the sur-? And, you know, the are you okay is like, no, I'm fine. It's a good thing. It's just, you know, routine thing <laughs> has been my, like, kind of answer so far. Um, one time I was like, oh, I have to have back surgery, which was like... <laughs> I don't need to have back surgery. I just <laughs> lied to this person like outright. But I was so on the spot of like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's my back. Because I needed to explain why I would be on modified duties, why I can't lift anything, why I have to be off work for at least two weeks. You know, like it's a big thing to be like, oh, it's a minor surgery, but I'm going to be off for three weeks. That doesn't really add up, does right. it? You know, but again, it's really not their business. I think I'm, I think I just need to get better at being like, it's not your business. I'm fine. And it's none of your business. Or I will be fine and it's none of your business. It's a weird thing. And everybody's got a different answer. Yeah. Yeah. And it it depends on your level of comfort, your level of closeness with these people. And is it more male or female that does that stuff? More guys or girls? Um it's been pretty even split. Yeah. It's been pretty even split. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find anybody can be disrespectful and anyone can feel entitled mm-hmm. to know things about you. Mm-hmm. I tend to have more women simply because I don't really have that many guy friends. Yeah. I grew up with relation with friendships being a relationship, being let's talk about what's going on in our lives. Let me help you. Let me support you. Not just uh, we're friends because we both like to watch the same thing. Mm. Do you think men that meet you, mm. do you think that the reason you don't bond with them, is, do you think there's a discomfort on either side? Do you feel uncomfortable? Feel so you would feel uncomfortable getting close with like a cis male and just having like a male friend. One of my best friends is a guy. Um, he's significantly older than me though. So he's not like, you know, he's not a 29 year old bro who whose only interests are whatever they might be. And not to say that, you know, I'm not going to be friends with you because you have different interests than me. Mm -hmm. But I do really value a relationship where it's a relationship, not because, oh, you just happen to conveniently be around. Right. You know, which I, and I could be wrong, um, which I often feel is the case with a lot of cis male relationships. You know, it's like, not always. Like I know, I know a few guys who are like they're like brothers, and they yeah, talk about yeah, everything. Yeah. And that's the kind of relationships that I'm after. Mm-hmm. You know, the relationships that I had with my female friends, which are so close and intimate and necessary. But you're finding almost. it difficult. But to I get find that, that difficult to find because, and it's not necessarily through fault of their own, but they've been conditioned mm-hmm. to not talk about their feelings, to hide certain things. To only depend upon their partner or their female friends, 
to have that emotional support and to do, do that, that emotional way? labor. Do you feel that you can be as open with any of your male friends as you are with, let's say, um, me? Um, the majority of them, yeah. yeah. That's good. That's really That's good. good. They've and also, it is though, changing. He's, got a, he's also got a group of guy friends that he's known since like elementary school. Right. So that I think helps that's a, a lot, different. for sure. Like, that I don't think any of the helps. guy friends you've made later in life you would have that with. Maybe I'm wrong, but I- You're wrong on that. Yeah? That's good. That's really good. And I My have noticed- My last place of employment. <gasps> that's true. That's and true. And it could just be, and it could totally- like you said, you know, it could be um, a discomfort on my end as well, you know, because it I can be on both sides, because yeah. even if the guy looks at you and sees a guy, yeah. once they get to know you, like you said, there is probably still differences yeah. in I didn't notice in the way you speak. But now that you've pointed out, like, yeah. I can't unnotice it. Yeah. It's like yeah. you and I definitely speak more similarly than yeah. you and Mark do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that would be uncomfortable for certain cis men because i'm sure tra i'm also, transphobia is a very real i'm also thing. kind of afraid of cis guys a lot of them i am what are you afraid of they're bigger they're stronger then there's a lot of transphobia and and buried shit about well you're not a woman you look like a guy and you're a freak mm. and that scares me right so instead of stepping back and realizing that it scares me and that's not my problem and i'm just gonna walk away instead I'm going to outwardly show that mm -hmm. in the way that I've been trained to, which is aggression and violence. Not all men are like that, no. But that's going to be a fear, especially if you've encountered any hate, which by the sounds of it, you have mm -hmm. and still do at mm -hmm. points. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, that's going to be a fear. Is like, is. is this guy going to see me as another guy or as right. a freak? Am I going to be the weird one for trying to talk about our emotions? Right. Am I going to be the weird one because I challenge you on the fact that, no, you shouldn't be hitting on that woman and catcalling her like that because you're gross? You know, am I going to be the freak because... Um, one of my favorite things in the world is musical theater. Him too. Yes. <laughs> you might, Fuck you yeah. might have a friend. <laughs> Honestly, you know, like I love musicals and, you know, I used to get a lot of flack for that and... Now I'm just like, I don't give a fuck what you think. This is my favorite thing. So go, you go be miserable in your life and I'm going to be great over here. Okay, thanks. <laughs> you know, and I think, I think to a certain extent it is, you know, um, she's not here right now, but we've had this conversation where she's like, you need more guy friends. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But I'm also like kind of freaked out by them. I can imagine mm. that would be, that would be hard. Like that's one of those emotional things that we talked about where it's like, you know, you want to, mm -hmm. but there's fear. It's like, I imagine there's it as apprehension. Like, there's... As like being the new kid. Even. Yeah, you know, it is. Like it really the, is. You're the new kid. I didn't know how to greet other men once I started transitioning. Because as a woman, if you know somebody and you know a guy, you're probably going to hug them, mm -hmm. right? All of your guy friends and the people, the men that you know in your life, Amanda, you've probably, when you see them, you go, oh, hi. Right. And you wrap them up in the hug. And it's good. It's fine. But yes, you might like do the like hand clasp to the chest with the arm around your bro. <laughs> but that's not a hug. Right. You know, you don't run up to your buddy and go, yo, James, man. And you like wrap them in a bear hug. <laughs> that's great if you do that and like power to you. But that's not the standard greeting, you know? The guy friends that I had in Markham, we've all kind of since drifted. It's been seven years, like, since I came out, basically. Um, we were huggers. We were all huggers. We were just, you know, we would hug each other. Everybody was a hugger in my, <laughs> my friend group. Um, so when I moved to Scarborough and met these new 
people and started working at all these different places in, in Scarborough and met all these guys, the first few times guys would walk up to me and do like the, you know, like the mm. hand class, pulling you into the chest, like hand... Oh, I flubbed it so bad that it was embarrassing. Because like, I, I never I had to, to do, do this. this. I don't know how to do this. What's <laughs> awkward? Did I go too? Was this too hard? Did I did I come in too fast? Was my hand? And I'm like stressing about. It. Meanwhile, they probably didn't even no, notice. Not at all. They didn't even notice. And here I am, like sweating bullets because I fucked it up and I I was oh awkward God. and uncomfortable. When in reality, they're probably like didn't even think twice about it. No, definitely. So not. I I definitely see how to to like a large part. It's probably my own inhibitions and own you know, past experiences that are kind of holding me back. Well, it's shit that you're still working through. Mm -hmm. I mean, seven years is long, but it isn't long. Right. Like after spending 23. You spent 23 years living as a woman, Mm -hmm. essentially, Mm -hmm. and seven years living as a man. Yeah. You're still learning. Oh, totally. Yeah. And like gender is a weird thing. Like you were asking me, like, how did I know, Mark? How did I know that I was a man? And yet I also am kind of uncomfortable around men at the same time. Like, how does that balance and weigh out? I don't know. Well, you mentioned a couple of times, though, that you're fluid in your gender. Yeah. I wouldn't say 100% understand what that means i i guess i kind of do but what what does that mean to you while i never feel like i'm a woman i never want to be called a woman um i also he and him yeah yeah, exclusively i also feel like kind of just like genderless Mm. like i'm just i'm just me i'm just sebastian identify as non-binary not really i did at times i've kind of gone back and forth between non-binary and and transmasculine non-binary which is kind of you tend to lean more towards the masculine side of things but you still recognize that you're um, non-binary I just call myself FTM or a trans guy because I find it easier Mm -hmm. to to just be totally honest not that it's 100% fully true and accurate but it's just easier Um, but if I'm sitting down and I'm having conversations like these then yeah I'll get into the fact that Really, you know, I just feel like myself. I don't know what a man is. And I'm using quotations in Mm -hmm. that. You know, like, I don't know what that is. I know what I I feel like. I like that. That sounds so um, honest isn't the right word. But it's like, because of, you know, what Mark was saying, like, how do you know you want to be a man? Because I know that people who who haven't gone through something like you have, who didn't have this sort of like internal battle Mm -hmm. of like, who am Mm -hmm. I or what, you know, what is gender? It's how do you know you want to be something that you haven't been kind right. of thing. And so yeah. I like that you can see that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a woman. I know that. Yeah. But society and everyone in my life thinking that I'm a woman, that I know is wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Am I a man? Maybe. I definitely know that I don't want a chest. Do I, you know, wish that the cards had been shuffled a little bit differently when my zygotes were being made? And that I had popped out with a penis. Yeah, totally. So you're definitely more FTM than you are like non-binary. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. In my body, I wish like that I had just been born with like a cis guy's body. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, like I'm really short for the rest of my family. My brother is a foot taller than I am. And my other brother is seven inches taller. So you than I wish am. you were the bigger, stronger, typical yeah. cis man kind yeah. of. Yeah, okay. maybe not the stronger, but definitely the taller. <laughs> I'm only five foot five for you guys who can't see me. That was Mark. Hey, man. <laughs> so yeah. that's okay. And like, I feel, but I feel like that's pretty common among guys that like, if you're short, you're probably like, what do I do? I want to have six more inches added on here. Of course I do. Of course I do. But, you know, is that going to happen? Then there's me standing yeah. at five eight, wishing I could like knock six off. <laughs> right. That's that's me and Kitten as well. She's an inch taller than I am. 
When she wears heels, she's significantly taller than I am. Mm-hmm. And we're frequently like, let's just trade. <laughs> let's just trade. That's the that's my perfect height. And then, you know, I'm the perfect height and you can wear heels and everybody's happy. Imagine if you could just do that. Let's right? trade bodies. Oh, let's I trade. Make, yeah. I make jokes all the time about like some trans girls that I know. I'll be like, you take my boobs and I'll take your Adam's apple and your dick and everything's great. <laughs> we'll just donate it. And, and no harm done and everybody's happy. happy. I have two more questions yeah. since we've talked about the non-binary thing. As I mentioned to you off mic, I do um, have somebody that I, I'm very close with who mm-hmm. um, identifies as non-binary. Um, I'm having trouble with the pronouns mm-hmm. because they, grammatically, mm-hmm. you know, we've always had it drilled into us that mm-hmm. that's plural. So, so okay, I'm going to counter that with if someone left something here and you don't know who it belonged to, right. what would theirs. you say? Right. It's theirs. Yeah. Are they going to call back I don't know because I don't know who they are it's true right yet it's that's, and it's difficult that's been the too. biggest that's been the biggest struggle is to not say he him her she like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. they they it's, and they it's yeah it's been yeah. uh yeah. that's been the biggest challenge because I don't want to I don't want to fuck it up totally you don't feel good when you fuck it no up. you do not no, feel you good don't when you fuck good. it up I mean I'm a trans person and I've misgendered people okay like it we're we are after all we're human we have one brain and we're doing our best with it sometimes it doesn't go so well it's difficult too when you look at somebody so for example I'll use the person that I know that mm-hmm. stereotypes are a really binary. strong thing this person when I look at them mm-hmm. appears male yeah. so my instinct is to say he yeah. and I have conditioning. to stop myself social conditioning time. is very very strong and very powerful and it takes a lot of work to break those habits mm-hmm. and to change up that thought process of like hey I realize that I keep doing this so now I have to work doubly hard to make sure that I don't do it I like your explanation though I I brought this up to somebody before and the really the only explanation I got was it gets easier you know the more you're around them it'll mm-hmm. get easier and I was mm-hmm. like I I get that but it was the whole plurality of the words mm-hmm. that I never mm-hmm. really thought about as you said if somebody they, just left something here I'd say they left it but fun fact they in the singular has been used since the 1300s it's always been a thing mm-hmm. we just we kind of outdated it and stopped using it one thing that might help is that when you're talking about them to anybody you should be practicing in just like day to day yeah I should be meanwhile, it's, it meanwhile that, off mic if you noticed I used their I did, name I did um, one thing that I'll say is what I try what helped me with they them specifically because I also would be like you know I'd see this person and my brain would be like well they look like they're you know they would be using these pronouns one thing that I started doing is anytime I don't know the gender of anyone, not just the person who uses they, them pronouns mm-hmm. as their, you know, their actual pronouns, but just anyone, I just insert them. Do you know how often you probably are catching yourself, that person that's driving in the car in front of you that's going too slow and you're like, hey, asshole, like, buddy, dude, hurry it up. This guy in front of me won't speed oh, up. It's always this guy. It's always this guy. Why not? Why not they? That person. It's true. That helped me a lot. No, I I appreciate that because as I said, it's I'm never trying to be offensive. Mm-hmm. It's it's unlearning mm-hmm. and getting rid of past conditioning. Yeah. And I end up doing it all the time, as you saw, where I end up using the name because mm-hmm. I don't want to fuck up the pronoun. Which is, you know what, it's better that way. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're really worried and you're around them that you're going to mess up their pronouns, just just use their name. That's Just use their name. And I say that for, for pretty much anyone. If you really like, if you know that you're still working on it and it's not because you don't care or respect them, but, you know, habit is a habit then when you're with them use their name and when you're not with them and you're not going to offend them practice practice 
It's practice. If you care about that person, you'll make the effort mm-hmm. and it will change. Do you have any more questions for Sebastian? I, I don't know if Kitten's coming back. I think she left. Yeah, I think she, she's abandoned <laughs> me. It's a good thing I have the key in my pocket. Um, <laughs> I don't think we ever really got to the timeline you were after. <laughs> so, that's okay. <laughs> to be honest, my mother was um, the worst person I came out to. Mm. She told me I died. Yeah, she told me that I had died. So what's the relationship with your mom like now? Um, pretty much non-existent. Mm. Yeah, she's still trying, but she's also become a, a pretty selfish person even before this. You know, like in the past few years before this, she hasn't asked me once any variation of, how are you? Mm. Does she know Kitten? She does. She doesn't like her. The first time that they should have met, my mother walked in saw her and addressed every single other person in the room and made it very clear she was ignoring her. Mm -hmm. Because anyone that was validating me and my trans identity was a problem. So there's this ultra femme, beautiful woman calling me her boyfriend. It was very, um, it was agonizing coming out. It was absolutely agonizing. I had to come out to the people that I worked with. I had to come out with my friends. I had to make the decision on how to come out to my father, how to come out to my grandmother, how to, unfortunately, what to do when someone in your life decides to tell people that you didn't decide to tell and what happens then. You know, my mother told every person she could possibly tell. Mm. She told my brother before I could get to him. She told my grandmother before I could get to my grandmother. My grandmother was old. I was going to water it down and give it to her in a way that she could understand Mm -hmm. and not be totally freaked out with. And what ended up happening was it almost ruined my relationship with her. It did. And then my grandmother passed away and her last wish was for me to be um, a pallbearer, which was very touching and amazing. Yeah, there was a lot uh, What's your relationship like with the rest of your family? I mean, your mother, not so much. My mother, not so much. Uh, One of my brothers lives in Edmonton and we don't talk too, too much, but but he does respect my identity and he okay. calls me my the right name and he uses the right pronouns. Um, the other brother lives in Mississauga and he works a lot, as do I. So we don't see each other as much as we want to. Um, I don't know how he handled that in his personal life, but as far as I'm concerned, he's been great. Okay, so your he's brothers were just normal. Like you're still just their sibling and it's cool. It's cool. My dad, I wrote him this very long letter. I learned my lesson after I came out to my mother and I wrote him this long handwritten letter explaining everything as far depth as I could, what I wanted, what I needed, what my hope with our relationship would be. And his response to be was... If you feel like a man on the inside, you feel like a man on the inside. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? He's He has his own problematic things in his own way. But that initial reaction, I cried. I was like, okay, we're going to be all right. We're going to be okay. I'm, I'm going to cry right now because I just don't fucking get it. It isn't this hard in my that's, mind. That's it. I so, don't fucking but you're get also- it. I like, don't get it one fucking In terms bit. of intelligence, I know I said you're you're somebody that knows more than anybody, but emotional intelligence that mm-hmm. you have that mm-hmm. I don't know that a lot of people have. I know that we've we've had the discussion because when you're having children, we talk about everything. We've had the it's discussion. It's a good thing to have a discussion about. We had the discussion, you know, if one of our children came out to us as gay or trans or mm-hmm. whatever it mm-hmm. was, and his response was... There doesn't have there doesn't have to be a discussion. I was like, yeah. cool, we're on the same yeah. page. Like there is no and discussion it's because it's to our make child. Sure that your kids also know that, like from a parental perspective, like you know, there comes if there comes a day where we have a baby, um, it's very important to me that there will be no gender reveal party. Mm-hmm. I'll have a rainbow cake to say, yay, we're pregnant, or yay, we're we're getting a baby, but that's it. It's gonna be this is a clothing store. We don't need to go to the girls section. 
We don't need to right. go to the boys section. It's what do you want to wear? Do you feel like you're almost gender obsessed? Um, I used to be. Yeah. yeah. When I was first figuring out my gender and, and what that meant for me and, and, you know, being able to see myself in the way that I needed to and getting on hormones and, oh yeah, totally. All I could focus on was, was my gender and, and making sure that people saw me for who I properly was. Or just gender in general. Yeah. 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 There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm now more aware of and mm-hmm. definitely more sensitive to. Um, but even in the past like two years, I was thinking to myself, like, I don't really think about it anymore, mm. you know? Like, yeah, okay, I'm a trans guy. And yeah, I have to think about being stabbed in the butt every week or every two weeks because I need my hormones. And that's no fun. Um, I don't like it, but I need it. So here we are. Um, you know, I I think about my surgery coming up, but I'm not, it's not like it was where it was this ever-present, like, in the back of my head or at the forefront of my head, you know, thinking, well, I have, you know, this is all that matters right now. I definitely was for I sure. I could imagine certain um, trans people or anyone who struggles with gender identity, mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. you know, anybody who has any gender issues. I could imagine gender not only becoming an obsession, but almost like there being like a hatred for gender. Like how you were saying, you know, going oh, to, yeah. like, this is a clothing store. We don't have to go to the girls section. We don't oh, yeah. have to go to the boys section. Gender norms, like, I think, are absolutely ridiculous and outdated and need to go very much so well you know like in your house you guys both cook cook well just because he doesn't know how no that's different. <laughs> that's different i but can I'm assuming, boil and but, reheat but, right. like but a you do, but, we split we you split, split domestic your duties, duties that's, sure. that's really what i'm, I'm getting not, at not the specifics i'm not of the it. 1950s housewife no we um we fell into roles based on convenience and skill to be yeah. honest with you it and was, that's the way it should be so for anything in it, life it definitely we fall into the traditional stereotypes in a lot of ways um just be, again because of convenience and skill mark has no interest in learning how to cook and he doesn't like it but I actually do like it so I'm very happy to be the person who cooks I'm the one that cooks in our family I fucking hate doing the dishes dishes. like please please poke my eyeballs out just carve them out and wash them and maybe put them back in and maybe all these dishes will be gone (laughs) but he doesn't mind it at all so typically he'll do the dishes I mean lately because he's been working seven million hours a day I've had to pick up definitely more of that but that's what I mean is our our roles are based on convenience not on you know you're the woman. So you clean have to the house. clean the house and take care of the children. Although I have to be honest with you, and I know this is my own issue, I still feel the pressure of being the woman, meaning that I know when people are coming over, if our place isn't clean, they're not going to look. They're at looking him. at me. They're going to look at you. Exactly. But you know what that is their problem it is their problem but it's my problem for letting it affect me fair enough it's it's my own trigger that doesn't need to be there every time we're having people over i'm obsessing i'm cleaning the house and Mm -hmm. he's saying like what are you so like why are you being so crazy it's not even that dirty in here and i'm always saying to him nobody's gonna look at you it's all gonna be on Mm -hmm. me because i'm the woman and i should have the house cleaned and so yeah i become a crazy person yeah i look towards my dad as a really good example of like fuck gender norms right you were saying he did uh, he did everything he did did everything Everything. He did the baking, yet he also could like build a house, which he, is he so literally cool. he legit built a log cabin. Like he he's built things. He's worked in construction. My dad's a, was a production. He's retired now, but he was a production designer. So he would design sets and make my Halloween costumes, and then go outside and you know dig up a tree root and then chop the wood and use it to build something. You I know? have a client, and she 
said something to me that I was like, that is so fucking cool. And I want to do that. Her father forced her as a as a young girl to learn all of the non-traditionally female things mm. to do around the house. You know, at a very young age, she was changing light bulbs. He yeah. made her practice um, before she was allowed to get her driver's license, how to change a tire. Yeah. He's like, you're not fucking driving my yeah. cars unless you know how to no. like hoist this up and change yeah. the tire. And like, yeah. he, ma- he forced her to learn everything because he said, who like who else is going to do it for you? Right. You what, need you're going to go a, find a man? No. Right. No, you, you need, need to, to be a well-rounded human yeah. being. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I you do know? that with our daughter actually. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I'm doing something around the house yeah, it's that good she typically it's good wouldn't too. do, I'm like, you want to help? She's like, yeah. And then I You know, drag and my, along. my dad would try to do that, but I also have two older brothers, so they would kind of get in there before I could. Mm. And it's funny cuz I used to joke how my dad treated me like a boy. But like I said, that was because of my own preconceived ideas of what gender was, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was the firstborn. And of course, because every father wants a son and I was female, mm-hmm. um, my dad used to, you know, um, he wanted me to play sports with him or like if he was doing yard work, like raking yeah. or whatever, he brought me with him. If he yeah. was working on the cars, he brought me with him. Yeah. And I remember very clearly being probably late teens, early 20s and um, him needing help lifting heavy machinery off the back of his pickup and him calling me out. And by this point, I had a younger brother and I was like, man, you have a son. Why do you still yeah. keep treating me like the boy? But it's it he wasn't doing anything wrong like no. he was you know he was just you're my kid and i need you're help, my kid so i need help. help come me. help me but yeah. again that was my own ideas was, of well i'm the girl ask your boy child mm-hmm. and i will go help mom and to a certain extent as i kind of got older and was like a unruly teenager mm-hmm. i would also just kind of default but it's not because i didn't want to know how to do it it was because i was a lazy teenager and i didn't want to <laughs> do it <laughs> You know, it wasn't because I didn't want my dad to teach me how to chop wood or I didn't want to teach. I didn't want him to teach me how to go hunting or how to make a fire or go camping or things like that, you Mm -hmm. know. And by the same turn, my mother is a very, very capable woman, Mm -hmm. like very capable. She was the one who really taught me how to camp. And my dad knows the like survival stuff and how to build things. But my mom taught me how to camp. My mm-hmm. mother taught me how to change a tire. My mother taught me how to check the oil. My mom taught me how to argue with people, you know, which is a valuable skill as a young woman. You really need to be able to stick up for yourself mm-hmm. and self-advocate. And she didn't quite teach me that self-advocation part of things, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a damn good arguer. Um but yeah, it's it's the I do, I do, I do kind of hate gender. I do. I hate society's insistence because that's what it is it's not that i hate the fact that you know this dude wants to go play basketball and and drive a pickup truck no my problem is that dude with the testicles on the back of his pickup truck because he's a man and that's all he is Mm. you know my problem is that somebody's got a daughter and they're doing her a disservice because she needs to be delicate and accommodating and put everybody else's needs above hers. I hope that's changing. I think it's starting to. I think that you'll find pockets of it. Mm-hmm. You know, your cities, your your kind of coastlines are usually a bit more liberal, but there's like 85% of the world is just not yep. not on that same page. Right. This has been highly enlightening, I guess, is more just I think what I'm getting out of this whole thing is like gender is only a thing because we make it a thing. That's that's it. That's like, really it. You know, it's not important in any aspect of no, anything. It doesn't. Like, why does every form start with like male or female? 
what the fuck does it matter? If you need to be doing intensive medical stuff on me and you need to know things down to my chromosomes, well, asking me what my gender is isn't going to help you because nobody knows what their chromosomal DNA is. Most people's isn't just XX or XY. Like most people in the world have some funky stuff going on with their chromosomes. So really, if you need to go that far, you can do a blood test and figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. Have a nice day. I could go on, and I know I rambled, but I... No, no this is really good. But I, honestly, we could talk to you probably all night, all night. So we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. But, you know, we we might have to do a follow-up. This, may, That's fine. this might yeah. raise questions, or you might have just cleared up a lot of shit for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I the, best, so. the best messages that I feel like I got out of this is, one, your curiosity is nobody else's problem. Mm-hmm. Gender is not important. No. And... If you really, really need to know something, you need to step back and think about, is this to better understand a person, to respect them, to val- whatever it is, or... Is it just my curiosity? Do I just have this burning desire to know everything? That's it. And that's okay. We're humans. We're curious creatures. That's why we've, you know, evolved so much in the past millennia. But we've also evolved to have the internet. And you can use it. It's a great thing. Well, my beautiful people, we're going to end it off with that. And I just feel the strong urge to say... Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. (laughs) Don't be a dick. (laughs) Saw that coming a mile away. I know you do. I'm so predictable. It's because it's just so fucking easy. Like, I'm so baffled. I really am. To not be a dick. That's why I'm married to you. You are a wonderful human. I'm just fucking baffled. You also happen to be... Your life could have been so much fucking easier if... People hadn't been dicks. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also a dick to myself, too. There were some things that, you know, but we learned. We learned. So I guess we end here, yeah? Yeah. Thanks for coming. This has been Thanks awesome. for having me. You guys have been listening to Massage Therapist in a Microphone. Peace.